Right, here we are, episode 20, Talking Bollocks Podcast. It's me, CLB. With Paddy Flower And... Willie White the Gaff. Willie White. Will ah, Willie, William, what do we call you? Whatever rolls out your tongue better is what I used to say to me, sell me. What do you prefer? You perform under Willie? under Willie, yeah. I mean, if you want to call me Willa, call me Willa, call me Willie. Willie, Willa, Fanny, Annie. It's like me calling him Teddens or Terry or T or you, Calvin or Calvo. Yeah, you can call me what you want to stop calling me in the morning, isn't it? We can call you Annie White. Anything you want, <laughs> yeah. I've been called worse than that. Fanny White. <laughs> How's things with you, Will? Is all good? Good. Everything's killing the gang, yeah. Keep yeah. busy lately? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing really to keep busy doing. Back down a bit of work. Um, and if anyone's from the revenue is listening, uh, yeah, I'm paying me taxes and everything else. Yeah. Grand. So, uh, yeah, come here. Try, try, try to keep busy. Yeah. yeah, I heard you're busy doing the podcast. Flat out. Yeah, but this is this is the dream. Yeah, this yeah. is the this is the platinum one. Yeah. This is the one that's in the top ten, people. Yeah. Yeah. Get your hands <laughs> on me. Come out, come out. A reliable source told me something though. Someone oh, said to you. Someone said to you. You're getting through under the bus here. <laughs> someone said yeah, you. You're going on the talking bollocks podcast, and you said well, I don't reach out to anybody. If they want me, they can come and get me. No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't say that either, because somebody I, else told me, well, I won't rang me down and said, when you're getting them on the podcast. Well, I said it to your old man, and anyway, I said, look, I'd love to bleed and go on. I'm actually going red now. Thank God it's not being bleeding. Film, someone get the number of this yeah. bus. <laughs> so, Will has actually a good friend of me, Dad, so I'm doing me dad a favour, and I'm not oh, paying rent this month. Definitely not paying rent this month. <laughs> but uh, yeah, before we get into the last week, Paul's on number nine, boys. What's the story there? Again. Did we not go up again? No, no, we, we stuck at number nine today. Yeah, we, we held on there. But uh, number nine in the top podcast. What's the story? How the fuck did we get there with that? It's a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's the only reason. No. It, does exa- it does exactly what it says in the tin. Looking at it here, yeah, number 11. Blind Boy, number 10, David Mark Williams, number 9, us, number 8, the two Johnnies, number 7, Joe Rogan. Like that's, here, that's like, some fucking cool. Just once we take over the Rogan fellow, I'm a happy man. That's number one for me if we go ahead of Joe Rogan. Just give away all the gay lads if he's getting number blades. Yeah, seven. we're going to pack her up. We're packing her up. Yeah, mic drop. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally, mic drop. Yeah, mail yeah. mark out the nip. Yeah, well, that's it. So, uh, we'll, we'll jump into this week. Uh, I suppose we touch on the, the major topic that's at the absolutely devastating the world of football, the European Super League. So everybody has been messaging us saying, lads, you need to talk about it, you need to talk about it. I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. Terence, what do you think? It's a fucking disgrace. It's an absolute joke. I'm a big Liverpool fan. And what a joke of a club. United, joke of a club. Chelsea City, you'd expect it from them. They're yeah. doorboards. Arsenal and Sports even getting an invite to a Super League. That's shite. Yeah, not they're the European Cup between them. The fucking dirt, boys. Mm. No, they're actually shite. Well, but, sorry, I think Tottenham might have a European Cup. No, actually, they don't. They've a Cup Winners' Cup. I don't think they've had a Champions Listen, they haven't won a trophy in about 40 years. They're yeah. fucking shite. Will I be a big football fan? No, not really. No, yeah. I'm a Liverpool fan, but I'm not a big, big uh, Liverpool fan. Yeah, yeah so you're a bit yeah. puzzled about what's happening. Yeah, that's what I was asking is beforehand. I'll be the first to put my hands up and go, look at you know, 
But I, I jump on the bandwagon when things are going well. And yeah. look, when things... I've always said it as a Liverpool fan. I've supported Liverpool since I'm a fucking kid. Hands down, my opinion, I'm not a hate United fan. Yeah. I think, in my opinion, which doesn't mean a fucking awful lot, it doesn't wash a lot, <laughs> is that the best manager of all time uh, was, was Ferguson. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. Fuck, um, no amazing, that. amazing manager. But now I'm kind of a little bit in, in, in you know, yeah, what's, what, what's going on. I'm just... They're basically fucking sold out. Yeah, basically. so, so the summer up what's set to happen. So everyone knows what the Premier League is and the Champions League. The top four teams in the Premier League and went to the Champions League, which uh, consists of other European clubs who had to qualify through their league. Grand. So now the top six teams in England, who Terence has mentioned, two United, or two Manchester clubs, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. Liverpool, and Spurs have all left and said we're making our own league. Right? There's going to be twenty teams in it. Us six. Uh, Inter Milan, AC Milan and Juventus, uh, Real, Atletico, Barcelona and then they're going to invite another three in and then five more and qualify. Well, see, you know, you know, I don't think they're going to get the invite. Like, Sheriff, you know you're going to shoot. Holy, Sheriff, you say you're going to shoot. But no, that's the thing. So what they want to do is have 20 teams in this league, right? And you can't get promoted, you can't get relegated. Just you'll have them 20 teams in a garden head every season. One winner. They're going to play each other uh, midweek, every week from August to the end of the season. Them teams are going to get £350 million per season just for being in it, right? So the Premier League says, well, if you are doing that, you are out. You are not in the Premier League anymore because that's a closed competition. No one can qualify for it. So they said, yeah, no problem. Uh, the UEFA said, you are out of the Champions League if you do that. So no Champions League. And they said, yeah, no problem. So uh, it's serious because United have left the ECA, which is the European Clubs Association. Yeah. Ed Woodward was on the board there. He stepped down. So uh, this is big, big shit. Like, it, it, like, like, I think a lot of people don't understand when people, like, when you're seeing it everywhere that this is going to ruin football. Like, football is fucking ruined. Like, if this happens, it's gone. So like. it's basically going to a gaff party after a club with 20 mates and six of them do a sneak off. Yeah, how about the Jackson Hill? It's exactly yeah. that. That's exactly <laughs> That's the best way it's done. Right, and they're getting a few quid for sneaking off as well. <laughs> right. so, so the thing is, right, so they're saying the Premier League are like, right, we're going to fuck you out, so you're not going to be a part of the Premier League anymore. And they seem to be all right with that. So the thing is, they have the Premier League over a barrel because they're saying, right, if we live... Who's going to watch the Premier League? Because they are the six Who's going to want to watch West Ham and Brighton and them fucking... Listen, yeah. they're basically fucking. ruining the whole Premier League. But that's yeah. it. So it but basically, they're basically after you made a bleeding sandcastle coming in and booting it. Yeah, yeah. Down for, down for down a, a hundred years. Over a hundred years. This is going right down to the very the history. league. Look at like the history in the clubs. Everything that's gets ruined. So like. the Premier League, you get over a hundred million just for being in the Premier League. I think you get 150 million a year for being in the Premier League. And then if you win the Champions League, you get something like 110 so even if you won the Premier League and won the Champions League, you still wouldn't make as much money, money. as just being in this in this yoke. Yeah. But the thing is, with the Premier League, they give the payments down to like the Championship League One, League Two, into the Conference yeah. grassroots. They all benefit from the Premier League, right? Uh, they're doing it in the height of COVID as well. So when all clubs are fucking bollocks, some clubs are like on the brink of going out of business and everything, and they decide right, we're up and leaving, we're doing our own thing. Now my opinion on it is that. A majority of them clubs are owned by uh, American owners. So United, you know, Liverpool, Arsenal, all of them. They're all American? Not all American. See, no. aren't Chelsea are Russian. Oh, yeah. And then, the Roman Abramovich and the Sheik Man Show. Yeah, and then and Daniel yeah. Levy. Daniel uh, Levy yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. All the sports. Bad, yeah. So in America, all the sports, so the, the football, the basketball, they all have like a closed thing where there's a garden kid. I think there's 30 basketball teams in America, garden kid, oh, yeah. every year. There's no promotion, no relegation. They play by one trophy at the end of the year. 
which to me I don't like yeah it's it's good it's not as good as the Premier League though you know what I mean or I'm not going to win the league this year hopefully we can get top four yeah, yeah. You know, you know like what it's, it's always great at the end of the Premier League to see people scrapping it out isn't it and, and you, you have see the, the two coming up and the two going down like, the relegation you know what I mean so they don't have that in, in uh, America and that's why I think there's no loyalty with players now some people say there's no loyalty with players in football but there is a bit like if Gerard left Liverpool and went to Chelsea he would have been fucking lambasted sure, every week. Happened to I know, and no, happened. he'd have been lambarded. Yeah, lambarded. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's what you see in uh, American sports. Players bounce around. Yeah. So clubs bounce around. They mm. move them from city to city. You know what I mean? Job. Like in American football, uh, the Oakland Raiders went to LA, went back to Oakland, and now they're moving to Vegas. You know what I mean? So imagine just being like, I'm going over to Old Trafford the weekend. Oh, wait, hang on. I had to book a flight to London. That had to move from Manchester to London. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So, come here. I know you're saying the club get... How much is it? 350 million, is it? Yeah, yeah. So, is it actually just the club or is there a bleeding divvy up between the players that play for the club? No, no it's jumping. the club. All the players are coming out and changing. They're well, not I, I can't... Well, I tell you, I can see a lot of players jumping ship so and this is the thing. teams. Yeah, so this is the thing. Your wife have come out and because your wife have the power, they're saying, if you go to the Super League, you're not allowed to play international, so you can't play for your country. Now, I don't agree with that bit. Now, I agree, I, it's a disgrace, it's going to ruin football, but I don't agree it should be taking away international football from any player in the world. Like, every player grows up playing football, hoping to one day play for that country. And I get that there's a show by league, it's an absolute joke, it's going to ruin football. There's no yeah, but I think but what if it goes down to the club, and the millionaires on the club, right, if you like you walking for Intel, we'll say, and you walking for you and Parkhead, and me walking for another multinational... And the company moves. They're saying, listen, we're going down to Cork. Let's go. There's, there's money there for the company. We go yeah. down there. Like, so it's it's it's, it's, a, it's I, a choice I, for the player I, as well. I, I, think, I think there's a difference there. I think you're not going to ruin anybody's life by doing that. You're ruining hundreds of players, hundreds of managers, hundreds mm. of clubs. You're, like Families. Right down to the core of football, it's fucking ruined. Yeah. But I... I I, I take back what I said there about the international football. I think the players now who are playing for these teams, if they if the form, if the Super League does form and they and they're with the teams that went now, they should it shouldn't be took off. And I think any player that signs after them, it should go so for. Yeah, but, but the players now are look, we're only after being playing for this club. We didn't make the choice yeah, to go to the Super I League. Think, Don't I think off them. what they're doing is putting a gun to their head and saying, right, look at you're not playing internationals again. So the players say, look at we're not moving to this fucking Super League with you. You may sell me. I'm not playing. Yeah. That's that's it, and then that you know what I mean. So the thing is, my what I think, why I think they did it. Right. So last year they tried to do it as well with this thing called uh, Operation Big Picture, where I think the same top six teams and maybe in top four tried to buy out the league, so they'd have more say in the league. I don't. I didn't hear about. So this, this was about this time last year when yeah. uh, the, the Premier League was kicking back off. Right, right. They, they offered like twenty million to every club in the in the championship and all. They were going to buy the rights to uh, the Premier League. So whoever bought into it, whatever, that, that top four or top six teams, they couldn't be relegated. They had, you know, as as of now, anything that happens in the Premier League, the 20 teams meet on it and have it and have yeah, a vote. Yeah. And they need a majority vote. Them teams wanted to have uh, more say in a vote as well. So their vote stood for two. Yeah. Things like that. It was rejected, shot down the bits. It was just basically them flexing their muscles, saying, we have the money, you need the money during COVID. That was shot down. So I reckon... What this is, is them to UEFA. UEFA get three billion a year for the Champions League. I think that's them saying we want more cut of that pie. Yeah. So right, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll scrap that Super League if you give us more money. And the new format in the Champions League that they're coming out with is that you can qualify based off your legacy. 
So, for example, Liverpool, who probably won't finish in the top four this season, could still qualify for the Champions League because they've won it six times yeah. before, which is ridiculous. That's absolutely stupid. So that's like Ajax have won four Champions Leagues. They haven't been invited to the Super League. Yeah. Do you so know what I mean? I think it's a bad bad way even to end the fucking season when yeah. you think about well, it. I mean, so you can imagine all them clubs that's like. underneath them six clubs playing them going, you dirty tone club. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? exactly. So that's what I'm hoping. Like what Darren said, I actually do hope there is sanctions put in place. Yeah. And he said, just for talking about leaving and signing them deals, I don't care if they can go ahead. So the start of next season, deducted. I think there's six clubs, even if they pull out, this, which I think with the pressure, they're going to have to. I think the six Premier League teams, if they pull out, they should start next season on minus 20. Because they're the top six, they should start next season on minus 20 or minus 24 points. And if you stay up, you stay up. But give them no chance of winning the league. So ba- give them no chance. So basically all the, all the away games, Calvin, is going to be if you're, if you're playing Real Madrid away, you're going to Spain League. Yeah. So if there was a chance of you that you'd say you brought your kid to matches all over the years and been a season ticket holder in Liverpool, whereas if you were going away to Leeds, which is only a bleeding thing up the road. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just going to... So, so much is just going to end. That was the, the, the pull for this is that they feel they're not playing the big teams enough. Which I think it takes the prestige that's, away. That's, that's what's exciting. Yeah, that's the prestige. You're not going to play Real in the last... The last days yeah. of the Champions League, yeah. So it was the Champions, yeah. They got battered, yeah. So it's the Champions of Spain mm. playing the Champions of England in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? That's what you want. Whereas now you're going to be playing Real one week, you're playing Barcelona the next event is the next. So you're going to dilute it. And the Glazers who won United have come out and said we play PSG twice this year, Istanbul twice, and Leipzig twice. That's not enough. It's not enough because we're fucking shit. If we were good enough, we would have qualified and played bigger games. Exactly. Yeah. So that's nothing got to do with like, oh, it's not enough games. This it's, It takes the prestige away from it if you're playing them every single week. You know what I mean? And you're playing in this where one team is going to win it. What's second and third? Like, imagine you are fifth in this Super League, fifth out of 20. What's the point in playing? You know, mm. there's no need. It's fucking I, ridiculous. I come here, another thing, I know it's not going to happen, but wouldn't it be fucking brilliant, you know, if after COVID, when everything gets back to some kind of normality, where grounds, you know, are full again and everyone's back... To watch them football, it wouldn't be fucking great if the fans just boycotted them and yeah. we're not going to any of the games. Yeah. It would. Wouldn't and it be amazing yeah. to see it on the telly and watch, you know, watch Leeds play bleedings, you know, somebody and 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 to look at Real Madrid and think there's no one in the fucking stadium. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, that's it. So I love what I'm saying now. I've seen nothing but backlash. The only people who have agreed were are the people who signed up for it. It's just convenient that Real are in a billion more to death. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know what his exactly. allegiance is like. And the last point I want to make on this is the owners come out and said our priority is revenue and making money. Yeah, the state of the game is second to that. So it's like, terrible. It's a terrible thing to say. Do you know what I mean? That's like walking. Now I know this might go down another line, but that's like walking for like a medical company and saying we don't give a bollocks if the medicine works. Yeah, we exactly. only care about the money. Bob, yeah. So that's what that is, you know. Yeah, so exactly. they have a business mind, but yeah, running a football club. Yeah, that's look at right. Look, listen, enough of that. Yeah, you could talk about that all night. That's our opinion on yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we put we put a yoke up every Monday. We do questions, suggestions, suggestions feedback, and fuck me, damn. Like I'm devastated about it because I kind of pride myself on being a United fan. I've been a United fan all my life. My family are. Sorry to hear about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, well, at the first time I met you, you said them exactly words to me. <laughs> but like I, I tried to go over the games. I've been at away games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, look at me. I'm actually going yeah. to support yeah. this club. And now they're doing that. Go to show what they think of me. You go to show yeah, what they exactly. think. Of me. Any of the fans, it's you just know, smacking them out. Yeah, it, really? basically, yeah. 
But we'll jump into Zingers, Terence. The polls from last week. Actually, Will, before we get into that, I have a quick question for you. Go on. Did you piss in the shower? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not a bother, too. Yeah. It does, didn't it? Yeah. Not a bother. <laughs> Not a bother for me. No shame in his no game. No shame in my game. And yeah, see when you were on one side of the road, no man the other. Yeah. And you're throwing the football, trying to hit the yoke, what you're trying to hit. I'm playing Pats for all yes. day long. Yes! All day long, it's Pats. Get up there with that. Right, Joe. Joe, from the old school. Joe, <laughs> into the polls from last week, yeah? Do you sit down and stand up and wipe your whole lap to buy your wife? I stand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Out. Days, yeah. See, a lot of people got it twisted, right? Why would you have people down your neck all week over this bit like, yeah? People think you stand up straight, stiff as a poker and smash the shoe. The right peg. Can I use toilet paper? <laughs> 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 oh, hey, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, no, you're No, but people think you stand. No, you don't. You, look, I said it last week. Look, Tiger Woods up and yeah, the back. And swinging. And that's it, <laughs> and you know. And, and before I say anything else as well, James Coughlin and Jordan O'Connor, Big Jim and Jordan, two of the boys, yeah? yeah. Says to me, they wiped the whole life shitting down. Girls. But they put the right part down through the middle of their legs. And scraped the town halls and on the way in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 oh, shake it up out of that garden and call it out there. It was But, uh, yeah, so what, you should stand up there? No, I stand up when I'm doing the yeah, wiping, yeah. Right. Well, shit down, 64% of people agree with Jim yeah. Calvin, and 36 obviously stand up, right? Oh, yeah, do you think that's bad? Old people message me saying, do one next week, do you right? Back to front or front to back? If you went back to front, you're a nitbag, you have skid marks yeah. in your jocks, that's a no, prank. Wait, 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 what's it? Back to front, like who are you? From the to top front? down? Yeah! Oh, they were next to vote! Oh my god! Down twice, and then I go up and all, I screw up the whole thing. Because I'm not as pleased you've had a pony, Terry. Oh, have you had a pony in a few bushes and all? Yeah. 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 Now we're in the middle of hell. When you're in, when you're only a little nipper and you need Calvin's to have a fight. Calvin's getting nervous. He's shaking the leg. He's not waiting for that question yeah. to get out. I'm you. trying to think about one to myself now, to be honest she, with you. Like we never drove, like my, my man and no, never drove around like that. So we went down fire, like you're fucked on a bus and you're out playing miles out in the park. You need to have a body, there's no way. Yeah, my yeah. man's shaking, you go over there and shoot in the bus and wipe your ass with a doctor leaf. Yeah. You know what I mean? You pick up a sting on by an accident, I went and swallow a metal hole. I was shitting the 11th hole on Salo Golf Course there when I was a young <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, I swear to God, straight into it. Say the fella the next morning, I put the ball in with no. the girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that by the crack? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why not? Come here, that's that reminds me of a good story. <laughs> that reminds me of a good story. I wanted to tell this before on this podcast, but I forgot about it, yeah? Do you remember Oxygen, the festival? Yeah. The music yeah. festival? Yeah, did you ever go, Terence? No. So uh, the shit, last man. one I was on was in 2014, right? And a gang of us from town went, there was about 25 of us yet to get up camping in a circle. And uh, I was on at that. Why are you? Yeah, honest to God. Do you know who I met? Daft Punk played that year, 2014. Probably did. Yeah, they did, it. yeah. And they wouldn't, because you know why Daft Punk don't like that? They the wear the helmets, yeah. yeah. We, my mate got a photograph, the two of them had their backs to the camera. Uh, our Daft Punk, we they met would... them side stage. Yeah, go on, sorry for... No, but I, so what, they no, had the helmets off, they wouldn't wear in the picture, which is? No, they don't show their faces in pictures. Yeah, yeah, so but they, they had no helmet on. Yeah, they yeah. had two fellas, long, two French guys. But did you see their faces? Yeah, we were talking to them, like, well, in any photographs that they get yeah. to with fans, no, no, they no. don't show their face. Fuck oh, off. Yeah, 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 honest to God, What's yeah. the story with that? Just don't like fans? It's, it's, it's the novelty, like it. it's yeah. the character, yeah. It's, it's like your man Blind Boy, he wears the bag everywhere. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a novelty, like, you know what I mean? Is that the rubber band that's telling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What were you saying about auction? 
Yeah, so uh, we, <laughs> I don't know what night we were out here. Oxygen was mad. Oxygen was mad when we were out. And I think anyone who's listening who was with me knows where this story's going. So uh, we had a load of tents, yeah, but everyone used to, like, there was no set tent, you know what I mean? Like, me and you went back one night with that. Me and you were just in the same tent. Fuck it. Yeah, like, so yeah, got yeah, yeah. So uh, I woke up and I was like, I could hear one of the boys running the muck, right? Like, screaming, screaming on the muck. And he's like, get out now. Come on out, I'm going to bat you. And I was like, oh. And I'm like trying to get up. And I'm waking the boys up. Like, he's, he's scrapping. But then I heard him. He was calling me out. He was calling the boys out. And I was like, hang on for a minute. Like, what's going on? I'm not going out now. I'm going to get a slap. So I was like, come on, Brian. Was that you? Yeah, dirty bass. Why didn't I get my hands on you? And then someone else will laugh. And he'd be like, say, you, Brian, I'm going to hear you laughing as well. Get out. And John, this, that, and the other. And he, next one I heard, the shite all over me legs. The shite on me runners. Right? And I was like, what's going on? And then he goes, the shite on me shite. There's that much shite. Right? So we were all in the festival. We were there one night, whatever he was playing, yeah? And this book, one of the boys had to click in and he went back to the campsite with one some board, yeah? Got into the tent. He was putting the walks on it, yeah? Making a move. And that one goes, what's that smell? And he goes, what? And he was going back in with the kill and she goes, no, stop, there's a smell of shite, yeah? The two of them set up, someone was like having a shite in the tent. Oh, and he got some board in and she was getting rolled around in it and he didn't know. Oh, that was fucking murder. That's an erection killer right there. Oh, that was absolutely murder. So that whole weekend, it's just like, yeah, everyone be having a great time and someone will go, right, do shit in the tent. <laughs> Still to this day, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Uh, if any of the boys listen, Jake Floyd, Leroy Hoyland, you all know the yeah. more about this for years. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher in. Yeah, I'm telling you now. Who's shit in the tent and oxygen? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Answers, uh, answers on a postcard. Yeah. Answers on a very toilet roll, please. But anyways, right? Here's a tangent. What a star. <laughs> right, jumping into the next one then. Yeah, boys. Right, Willa. Yeah. Do you have beans with your floor yet or no? Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. I love the old beans, the old squeegee. Use the batch loaf. Yeah. Oh, bro. Get the hill. I love the batch on both ends and say nothing to yeah. no one. He's dead, right? Yeah, I'd mill a mock up in my world. Yeah, man. The top shade, mate. Yeah. I'd have a bat in beans. But, anyways, beans with a floor, Calvin. You said no to that, didn't you? Yeah. Connor, what do you say? Do you like beans with a floor? Yeah, 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 so Johnny Carlin. But anyways, beans on a fly, 53% of people like beans. But that's fucking close. Yeah, that close. was like 3,000 said yeah and 2,800 said no or something like that. Yeah. That's nuts. Somebody said as well, very good point. I don't go out well my way to get them, but I'm not going to say no if they arrive. Yeah, Mas, yeah, listen, when the last egg is getting done on the pan, which is the last thing that goes on to the fry, you have a minute to get them beans into the microwave. Just throw them in, nuke them. A nice and hot <laughs> on with the egg. Well, I've had as a sauce. Tell you, lads. Yeah, we have you with the old pots and pans now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last Saturday the morning. The old favourite dinner I've got to be good to him pork chops, mashed potatoes, and beans. Oh, yeah. No, we're not. Fit bleed and have a go off anyone on the road. <laughs> no, the good carp out there is chips, beans, and sausages, bro. That's a bleed and something terribly valuable. You'd be showing off having dinner with that as well. We ain't taking selfies with it and everything in the back. Getting your granny into the night. Yeah, we're large now. Sunday. And a bottle of red lemonade to wash it down like a champion. Bottle of TK, what? 
Nike. Have a choice for that. What's the story of that kind of how are you getting on there? I think it's a little bit dubious. 
Right. What you mean, they'll be a spoof. Contrary to popular belief, there was no man named John P. Crapper who invented the first toilet. However, <laughs> a man named Thomas Crapper did make numerous improvements to the flush toilet. Yeah, it was Thomas Crapper. Yeah, Thomas Crapper. Yeah, better than John Smith. Welcome here, who's John Birdie? You still from Wexford? It doesn't matter. There's it about 20 matter. Johns from Leiden, Rossley, or Harvard alone. <laughs> the 40 people live in the place, 20 of them are named John. <laughs> right, parents. Right, did, did I even say what? No, I didn't say. Right, so 80% of the people call it like, yeah, yeah. and 30% call it like, Do you know yeah? what? I changed me, me, uh, me zinger for this week. Go ahead. So will I say the, the one you were going to say? Yeah, go on. Now, have you got another one to go with it? Yeah, my one. Go, oh, fuck it, we'll, we'll have three then, go. Do you eat or drink soup, boys? You drink soup. You drink soup, yeah. What are you going to say, Tanner? Say you, go on. You know no, you no, 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 you drink soup. You do drink soup, but, but <clears> if, <throat> if I'm saying it, or Jay, if someone said, what did you have to eat, or Jay, soup, don't say I wouldn't. Will I? No, I probably would say that as a figure of speech, but what I really do if I get down to business with a bowl of soup is I drink the soup. Yeah, I yeah. don't eat it. But Anyone that eats soup is only out of a ray about the bleed morning into a cafe is a bowl of soup going on the bleeding <laughs> counter and then they're eating it. And but, they're I, eat their shoulder as well. Yeah, exactly, and lick their eyebrows. I definitely say you drink a bowl. You say you ate soup, no? You just say that though. No. You see, no. you're, you're in Cabra, that's posh as eats. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. You use a spoon. You don't. You can't. You can't use yeah. a fork. You don't use a knife. No. You drink it. You could drink it in a cup. You often see people drinking in a cup. Yeah, you know what I mean? no, that's, that's where the expression point. comes from. You know, someone who's a lightweight can't drink. Or he wouldn't drink soup. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Like, there we go. I yeah. mean, if anyone's going out in the soup, they're not eating the fucking drink, are they? Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Like, there yeah, you go. yeah really. Well, listen. <laughs> Yes, this week's singer. Do you eat or drink soup? Try and dispute it. Try and say, I oh, know what you eat because yeah. this, that, and the other. Shut your mouth. Yeah, we'll be going up and dragging you out here. <laughs> yeah, will I will? Yeah, yeah no, you drink soup, you drink soup, but I tell you, yeah, that's what I'm interested in that one. Cobb, what's your singer for this week? I'm about to change my mind there, yeah. Go so, uh, now with the Nike Nike thing, someone reminded me, what way do you pronounce Adidas? Is it Adidas or Adidas? Adidas. That's the same with Bilkis. I say Bilkis Kilka. Yeah, no, but I people say Bookies. Yeah. yeah what, 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 what way do you say Adidas or Adidas? I've always said Adidas, Adidas, yeah. Did you know Adidas? Adidas. I know it, right? Go on, Willa. Go on, you can put Adidas, me down. Adidas, no, go on, you go, you're you out there in the counting in force in the fast lane. Go on, you yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I put my foot down. But, uh, <laughs> so Adidas, they found it with Adidas. Do you know his name? Uh, not, it, was a, it wasn't back, no, no, I don't, I don't, to be honest. Adi Dazla. Adi Dazla, yeah, Dazzler, Adi Das. Fuck off. And his brother it? invented Puma. His brother came up with Puma then. No, his brother's name was P-U-M-A. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his brother's name was. I don't know what his name was. Hands or something. <laughs> Hands. He was a great goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the two brothers with Littles and Aldis, isn't it? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, brothers. Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Can you verify that? Yeah. Please? The croissants out with little their own real. The bakery. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Google Camera have to say Tesco's give them a good kick up the hole. I never went to Tesco's bakery. Oh, go into Tesco's and get one of the bleeding, uh, you know, the croissants with the, the nuts in it. What are they called? The almond ones? Almond ones, yeah. Oh, stop, man. You go oh, over by and count to get these. <laughs> 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 Adidas or Adidas, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Adidas is probably... Well, ah, uh, D D and a lot of A's. That's A D E E hyphen D A S A D. That's that's why we say it. Yeah, no, yeah. 
No, it always. Oh, I don't know. Mate. It did. Come up with it. Well, come up with it on Sunday, mate. It's not that easy. But I'd imagine uh, Adidas is the right way of saying it because his name is Adi Dazzler. You know what I mean? It probably is. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. that's what I'm just. We call it that. Have you got another one? You said no. Will I has one there though? Yeah, me mate. This is a uh, me mate. Crunchy Christie says hostable, <laughs> right? Right. Which is hospital. Right. It's not hostable. Hostable. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not hostable. But there no. is loads of people that say hostable. Yeah. Well, you want to see him? He's in a bad way. He's in the hostable. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> My uncle's actually up in the hostable. He's <laughs> not a county joke. <laughs> <laughs> I went up the hill. I went up the hill. Listen. I went up to the matter last week and the uncle was lying in bed with all oil and grease all over him. I says to the doctor, what's the story with him? He says, he's going to get downhill very fast after this. He says, <laughs> then I went down to the blog says, me any change? I says, yeah, he's a lot better. Thanks very much. <laughs> It's the same game with different names, yeah. But you always have to about the same word. Ah, we might as well mix it up for fuck's sake. Yeah, once, well, once, okay. once, 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 the bottom of the barrel for Zingers these All days. Right. Well, then if anyone has any suggestions, you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. we say it every week, well, I don't no, even know about just, it. I'm just trying, <laughs> just trying to help you out, lads, that's all. Wait, right. Connor's had to send me something out. Hang on, I feel like Joe Rogan and Jamie to send him stuff. Connor has sent me, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a misconception among some that the founders of Aldi and Little were brothers were split. In fact, the brothers behind Aldi split in 1960 over the dispute whichever they should sell cigarettes, according to the Telegraph. So they do. Uh, yeah, there's not brothers who split to Aldi. Like, there was brothers who, who founded um, Aldi. Aldi yeah. And they split up. But, yeah, but they didn't go on and then created Little. Check Sorry. it out now. So you're in here telling those lies, will I? brothers right about yeah. now. <laughs> Everyone heard me reading like I'm in fucking six cl- or four class. <laughs> and they went to bed. Six class, class. class. that was lower again, lower yeah. again. Six, or, uh, yeah. That's the thing we've done for the week. Oh. Oh, the, the other thing I... Sh- yeah, I knew you had another come one. Come on, yeah, no, come on. It's shite. Do you call it an umbrella or a brolly? Fuck off. <laughs> Calvin's at the walking out. I call it an umbrella. It's a brolly, boys. Yeah. I call it a brolly. She actually, Big Jim gave me that one as well. He said, "What you calling?" I said, "It's a bloody." Do us a favour, don't ask him for singers again. <laughs> no, you call it an umbrella as well. Wait, I guarantee there's a good few out there to call it a bloody dog, boys. Yeah? It is, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> it should be an Aloysius Ward up in the back. <laughs> but anyways, that's the singers out of the way, boys. Yeah, we'll have them up. On well, are you have me on the on the whole uh, fact of the day thing now? Because this is a little one I wanted to touch on as well. Someone goes, "Do you like uh, Coke Zero or regular Coke?" No, boys, I'm actually Coke Zero. Coke Zero I got up the full fat Coke there a good few years ago. Um, and I went on to the Doya Coke, which was bleeding poxy for the first few hits. And then after a while, it kind of tasted nice. And then the Coke Zero came out and I said, Do you know what? Life's about change. And I tried the Coke Zero. And I actually like Coke Zero. Do you know? But it wouldn't be something that I buy all the time. It's not yeah. a regular drink. Like. Do you know, essentially, they're the same thing. Only for Doya Coke was seen to be more feminine and appealing to women. So that's why they brought out Coke Zero because it's more masculine. That's why Wayne Rooney was advertising. It tastes completely that's different. That's why the ads are more electric, in your face. It's a big black can. Coke Zero. Same Coke tastes zero sugar. What's Doya Coke? 
Exact same thing. Do, do you remember the ad for Do a Coke? Do a Coke? Eleven woman. o'clock break. And your man comes. Yo, do you not remember that? Do you no. remember that? No. Googling when you go on. Great ad. But it's Do a Coke break. Eleven o'clock. And there's a load of women meeting up. Yeah. And there's this sham that comes out and takes his top off, and he's fucking. He's in better nick than me, like he's ripped, do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's drinking a can of Diet Coke, do you know what I mean? I just, any Diet Coke ads I can remember, it'll be like a woman walking down the road and she's smiling, you know what I mean? She has a can of Diet Coke in her hand and it's like, oh, it must be a, a Diet Coke thing. Diet Coke thing, yeah. 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 So that's you had for fucking women's deodorant years ago, impulse, you know, what is it that makes a man give you flowers that you've never met before? I'd be ringing up the fucking, I'd be ringing up the... the the right crisis centre of some kind of lady would <laughs> rip a bunch of flowers because she's wearing the same the old one, like, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that's a little bit creepy. Yeah, of course it is, for fuck's sake. No, but I mean, uh, Coke's here though and Diet Coke are the same thing. Does one supposed to appeal to men, one's supposed to appeal to women. But, but the it's taste the completely different though. They don't, though. No, they do, oh, bro. Diet Coke and Coke's here though, taste completely I think different. They, I think they taste different. But they're the same thing. That it, like they pretty much they probably have one or two different. Bits. I guarantee yeah. you, if you blindfold me and give me a glass of each coke, you wouldn't. You just put it in a glass and tell you which one is the coke and which one is tea. Completely different. Yeah, but I mean, they're probably in made up of the, the same thing. Poison, I, I, I think I really with the new coke here. I make that because I do it's believe that the Diet coke is more feminine. Like, yeah. although that's mad to say, but Look I do up, believe it's that. It's yeah. a marketing strategy. Yeah, coke, they spend the most money in advertisement a year than any other company. It's also the one soft drink in the world that has had numerous amounts of people murdered. There you go. <laughs> Have a look at the Coca-Cola Wars over in Mexico. What's going on, lads? Seriously? Really? Yes. You thought he was winning yes. the yeah, yeah. Do you know in America you John, can get you can get, a line day, you can get regular Coke or Mexican Coke. Regular Coke is made with syrup, corn syrup, and Mexican Coke is made with sugar, cane. So when I was living in California, I used to say to them like, "Oh, yeah, can I get a Mexican Coke?" And it comes in a glass bottle. Whereas the regular Coke would probably come over like a, a tap, you know, the, like the, yeah, 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 the tap that you get at McDonald's, all that shit. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest, it's the biggest selling soft drink in the world. Yeah, yeah. World billions. It's like that corner of Leighton Sanders and that recipe, isn't it? Yeah. Well, come here, I, I prefer Hillbillies though as well. Hillbillies well, but Hillbillies is top. Especially if it's Tuesday. Only two people who know the recipe, the Coke, and they're not allowed on the same plane together. Why? Oh, in, case of, in case the plane goes down. Ah, but come on, Yeah, there you go. I'm telling you, look her up. That's I mean, childish, isn't it, boys? It's, not, it's called clever, bro. Yeah, but that. it's not really that clever, do you know what I mean? What, the two of them can't be on the same plane? It's very rare for planes to crash. Look how many planes crash. Did not just save it in the Dropbox and bleed and put it somewhere if that happens? Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just write it down, put it in a little chafe, you know, where them two know the code. Or bleed, someone knows the code. I don't know. It's like your granny having the bleeding recipe for a whopper cuddle, like, and if that goes bleeding wrong, do you know what I mean? You never get that recipe again. Yeah, as long as the code's brown. Just write it down, like, so the tradition can be carried on. Once the cotton's brown, it's all right. Is it a brown cotton you like? Yeah, bro. Yeah, same as myself, yeah. yeah I thought I like a brown cotton. It's a white cotton for me. Is it? This was, did we had this in the first? Very, very first very episode. Very first episode. Okay. Can't be the ball of Glenn Hoddle, that's... <laughs> Glenn Hoddle, what a man. Telling you. Yeah. Now... That was my little one there. Bowl of, bowl of cotton and listen to Crazy Wolf with Christy Dignan. Yeah. Can't get any more doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we may as well jump into the Willa, fella. There we go. Willa, talk yeah. was about you. Ah, oh, Who are you? What's your name? So Where's you come from? I still so have Mackie T. So, so here we go with Calvin. Sorry to hear about that. Yeah. He knows. <laughs> so, he listens er, to the podcast. Yeah, originally, right, I am from, uh, I was born on the south side in the Kiln. Sorry to oh. hear. Yeah, on the 17th of June, 1971. 
right song in 50 fuck in jail and yeah I know yeah I'm fucking like a dinosaur man <laughs> um, then I moved uh, I used to live in, in Harold's Cross Mount Holland Avenue moved from Mount Holland Avenue to Crampton Buildings do you know where Crampton Buildings is where it always was uh, it, uh, <laughs> I haven't fucking moved it <laughs> Crampton Buildings is where um, you met a mate of mine Thomas Black lives it's in Temple Bar yeah, yeah. Tenement Flats yeah. used to live in there and then we moved from there out to Ballymun uh, when I was a young and lived in Ballymun Jesus for well lived in Shangan Avenue for 16 years and grew up, basically grew up in Ballymun. Ballymun was a fucking great place to grow up in. So I've heard, find it hard to believe. Though. No, it really was. <laughs> I lived I lived in a place called the Four Stories. And so you just walked away and you went, sturdy, sturdy, sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> you were fucked if you lived in the 15 stories. <laughs> You'd be there at about four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> now, so I lived in the four stories, which was basically eight flights of stairs. There was no lifts. <laughs> And um, yeah, it carried your fucking bike up and down the stairs and all that. We lived on the top floor, number 16. And that's that's where I grew up. My childhood consisted of uh, of, of Mitchin from school. Yeah. That's what I called it. It was, it was Mitchin. Didn't go to school an awful lot. I was the class clown in school. And there was a lot of shit going on at home. Me dad and me ma. Me dad was a gargler. It was a grafter. Like, I always walked. Had a good job. Walked for when When I started, it was... P&T, which was Post and Telegraphs, and then it was Aircom and Telecom in, and it's now Air. Yeah. That's that's who we worked for a year. So he did he did a decent job. My ma had a decent job. She was a Hoffman presser. She worked in the rag trade, as they call it, and clothing factories and all that stuff. There was always a few quid coming into the gaff, and, and like we looked normal. It looked normal from the outside. You know what I mean? We looked yeah. like the bleeding ordinary. You know, real nice. <laughs> I don't know where that gentleman's family ever came from, you know, a boy and a girl and yeah. my mum and my dad, because we had an elder sister, and my sister Susan, she was six years older, and then there was my mum and dad, and, and it looked all right. Growing up, materially, we, we, we had everything. Clothes, I remember getting a bleeding rally bone on, I was a young flip up in Penny Fardens, up in Wexford Street, and cycling at home, so it's like, it looked normal from the outside, but behind closed doors, it was a totally different ball game altogether. And my dad, I think my dad carried a lot of stuff from his childhood, from where he grew up. My dad's from a place called um, Audience House, which is across from the Brazenhead pub. The back of the, the merchant pub on the keys there is a little block of flats just in there. And there was 16 in my dad's family, 16 oh, kids. Yeah. yeah, so it was... It was fucking major. There was, was, was no tellies back yeah, then. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, there was six. And like, I, I, I don't know... I kind of done a little bit of research. And it's mad because I had that much fear in me dad growing up. Because me dad was a very violent man, like, you know, towards me mother, towards me, and towards me sister. Um, I th- there'd have been an awful lot of less trouble in my gaff if the microwave was invented in the fucking late 70s and 80s. Because me dad used to think that you could come home from the pub at 12 o'clock at night and think that a dinner had been in an oven from 4 o'clock was going to be fucking fresh, like, was completely wrong, like, you know. But when I looked at where my dad lived when, with, with the 16 kids, and they had nothing like My dad's famous thing was, he used to say, he says, we were that poor. He says, growing up, that if uh, if you didn't wake up on Christmas morning with an erection, you'd fuck all the play with, like. So you had nothing like <laughs> You hadn't got a bleeding thing, you know. So but that, that's kind of how I grew up. We grew up very, very fearful as a child. Um, we were starved of the love and affection that I give my own kids. I've got two kids, and... 
There's one thing I made sure of. They never seen me drunk. They never seen me being violent towards me partner. There was none of that going on in the gaff. It was all about the love and affection and fucking cuddles and... And that's because you that. went through all of that. Yeah, well, my dad done nothing with us. Like, I can remember me dad. The only memories uh, really that what me dad done me when I was a kid is he took me to the bats a few times and let me out to swim. Yeah. But that was it. As far as being took to, you know, the beach or took anywhere for any type of activity, it, it wasn't going on. Like, you know yeah, I mean? so you, you've no real fond memories. Like, remember me dad used to do that? No, no, there was, there was none of that at all. Like, and, I, and, I, and I kind of... I'm not going to feel robbed or anything like that, but it's like, that's just the way of bleeding was. Like, it was yeah. now, like, and I started, like, taking drugs from a very, very young age, like, you know, really young. I was, I was telling Terrence, so I was probably about seven or eight when I started taking drugs, started doing solvents and sniffing glue. Scary, and, that like, is. like, when I look at it, like, I mean, I've, I've, I've a young one toward in, and I mean, if I found out tomorrow of an, of an older young one, I'm actually a granddad of an older young one with a, with a bobby as well, and... And I kind of go, if my young come up and tell me she was taken, I'd be bleeding, devastated. Yeah. Right? But I found the drugs for me when I was that young was great. It was like, it was, uh, it took me, it gave me a great escape from what was going on at home. I never knew that a child at my age, when seven or eight, could be instilled with so much fear waiting for me dad to go home. Because I could never sleep. When I knew my dad was in the pub and I was in bed, Getting ready for school the next morning. I could never sleep. How bad then, was it though? Man? Oh, it was very, it really, really was. It was very bad. I see me mother been fucking kicked up and down the place. Like as a child, as a young child, to witness something like that is very, very yeah. heavy on, on on the brain. Like, you know, and it's something that I've carried with me. Now, come here, I've done, I've done a lot of walk around that I've, you know, went to see counsellors later on in life and all that, but it's something that's vividly kind of still there with me. And I carry that fear all the way through my childhood of me dad, even, I'm kind of jumping on a bit, like, but even me dad, like, when he got older, I know he was bigger than me dad, and me dad was smaller than me, and he was a frail old man, I still had that small bit of fear yeah, about him, yeah, yeah. because I seen what he was capable of, and I grew up with, with mad hate for me dad, and, and, and always says, you know, me man even kind of bred it into me, kind of saying, he won't always be young, and when he gets older, he'll do this and do that, do you know what? I never put my hands on the man. I'm glad I didn't. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I wasn't kind of in me. And probably the fucking fear thing as well. Yeah. I was saying, this fella can, you know, even though it was me ma, I kind of seen him being violent there. I kind of knew that he could switch it and fucking be twice as violent to me. Like, I, I got all my baitings growing up. And my sister as well. Like, so, kind of growing up, primary school, um, I was down in, in the Virgin Mary school and, and, and that was just a fucking joke. And then I went to secondary school and I'd have been, you know, drinking and smoking hash and all at that stage, like a teenager. And and then I just, I, I left school at 15 with no qualifications. I remember when we got our exams, me and my mate, boy, it was, a, it was an exam sheet uh, and it was written in, in, in pen. And we made it a great idea. He goes, put it into a bleeding lukewarm sink of water, put bleach in it. And we watched it. The bleeding results all bleeding disappeared off the thing. So we wrote in all our own results. I was writing in B's and fucking C's yeah. and all like that, which none of it was true, like, you know. Yeah. And I gave me dad and me ma were going, Jesus, fair play to me. You're at the bleeding, pulling it out of the bag there. Me dad want me a lovely ring, want me a Blackstone ring and all. <laughs> and then I got home one day and me bleeding, dad bet lumps out me. There was a letter from the school going, well, really, we need, you know, you're young for this fucking basically stupid. Didn't get any of his exam results or anything like that. And the ring got took on me and I got back around the place. So that was, yeah, when I was 15. Then I went to live in London when I was 16. 
I was in London and um, what happened there? Did you think like there's nothing here for me? I'm just gonna like, no. Oh, do you know what? My man that my man my man that split up when just when I was when I turned about sixteen. So my dad was kind of living on his own. My mom got her own flat and um, I was still I was still kind of taking drugs, tablets and and stuff like that. And I just wanted to get a clean breakout. There's loads of lads went to London. And me and my mate that um that I done the exam results where he was over there already and I just says you know what I'm getting, I'm getting out of here yeah. and I go to London and I went to London at the right time when I got to London the rave scene in London was just starting to kick like do yeah. you know what I mean so it was fucking great it was I just had that freedom I'd, I'd known the answer to it. I was known coming in the door going where were you or what were you doing or like that I was living in a gaff for a load of lunatics like um, two of them died while I was there Goffer and, and Rusty uh, two heroin overdoses and they got sent home in boxes. So we knew that. How old were they? How old were they at that time? Goffo was 22. Fuck and I think Rusty was 25. He was found dead in the, the toilets down in King's Cross, yeah. Jesus Christ. And the station? Was, yeah, yeah. No and he way. was a bricklayer. He did, he did a great job. He actually done well. But the whole gaff was just... The gaff we lived in a manor house was just ravaged with addiction. I mean... The boys was going out robbing cars. I remember one of the fellas come back one night. I'm not joking with you. They robbed this car. It was a left-hand drive. I don't know whether it was a Chevy or something like that, but a big American car. And the front seat, like, it was automatic shift on the steering wheel, you know? Yeah. And I was sitting in the front seat, and it looked like your mum was the length of a bleeding football pitch away me driving the car, like, you know? Yeah. And it was all, like, tiger skin in it and all this. So he says, lads, someone owns this thing. That's a bit of a bleeding lunatic. Yeah. Like, he's want to get rid of this. <clears throat> but they were robbing shops and robbing pubs and... I was the only one out in that had a job. I, did, I worked in a butcher's at the time, you know. My dad kind of instilled that into me all the time, you know. Try to get a bit of work. And it was like an old saying he used to say. He used to say, look, a dirty hands clean money. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. very, very true, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. But when, when Rusty died, I knew. I says, look, I need to get out of this gaff like that I was in. Because like, it was just getting heavy, like, you know. The and were you taking stuff at the time as well? Yeah, I, didn't, I, I was really only taking ease and acid and all that, so I just wasn't really. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, kind of going out on the weekend. And you yeah. could, yeah, you could smoke on the buses back then, so I used to be going into walk in the morning and having a couple of joints before I got into walk, and it was just, it was, it was drug. My life was kind of fucking just drug based most days, like yeah. you know. <clears throat> and then eventually, I got, um, I got a little flat down in Hackney, and I had a little basement flat, and everything was kind of going well. We we're still partying on the weekends, and I was like one of these fellas. Like, if we were going outside the tree, was and you took a knee, like, I'd be taking bleeding three years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all caught up me. I got drug psychosis, and I ended up fucking. What's that like? You go on a trip and you never get back off a country? Do you know, no, do you know what it was? It was like, it, I, I got, it was like everyone was out to get me. Like, I felt as if I was being targeted by the IRA. And that it was on top and someone was going to shoot me. And I went down to my auntie's gaff and my auntie and a mate and my cousin were there. And I thought they were ringing the phone to get someone down to clip me while I was in the gaff. So I held them hostage in the gaff for three days. Fuck and it uh, just hell. completely went off my head. Very, very frightening. Very frightening time. Very fucking mad time in my life. And then the police eventually came for me. Um, loads of police. And I got dragged out of the gaff. And then I was sectioned. And I was up in court and I was put into a bleeding psychiatric intensive care unit for about seven or eight months, completely off me trolley. In a really, really bad place on a lot of medication. Didn't know what was going on, didn't know how I was going to get out of here. Um, just real deluded and, and, and just normality just seemed like fucking miles away. Like, kept thinking that the doctors and nurses were vampires and it was just, 
And it's just my head, it was only the drugs, like, you and know. What, that, that, that's just caused by ASHA, A, all that kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And come here, and I put a lot of it down to smoking, bleeding weed as well, like, now, you know. Now, that's something as well. We get asked to talk about the weed legalisation and all an awful lot, and something that I don't really want to be in it, but I know t- two friends of mine now who are in, oh, I don't know what, schizophrenic, something, something. Two of my friends now was like that over-smoking the weed, like. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm all, listen, I know that all the bleeding weed smokers out there, I love a joint, and listen, so be yeah, whatever, I'm all for it, but you need to be careful with that, Pe- yeah, people, very easy to abuse. people that uh, don't really understand, look, it's grand having a joint at here, what it is, listen, so be yeah, I'll have a joint at here, you know what I mean, no mm. I don't, but I would, no problem, but if you're smoking that one after the other after the other all day every day, I'm seeing it with my own too. I always tell my friends yeah. now was in a bad yeah. way over it. Yeah, I'd agree with you with that. But I think that some people have a tolerance for it and some people just haven't. Like, I don't yeah. know Some that. people have a, a, weaker, a weaker bleeding mind yeah. or whatever than... I, look, come here. I want not going to... If you want to take drugs, take fucking yeah, drugs. Yeah. Like, I'd be the same I wouldn't be getting involved with anybody. Exactly, you you yeah. want to smoke joints? Smoke joints. Yeah, I yeah. work in the construction industry at the moment and there's fellas doing this and there's fellas doing that. And I mean, the drug game, you know, from selling drugs and buying drugs, from when we used to buy drugs on a street corner, has evolved so much. As fellas showed me Snapchat the other day, and I'm on the menu up. Yeah. Here's the price this week. <laughs> Flake is bleeding this way. You know, what the fuck is going on? Your man goes, no, it's not only about the drugs. Like, he says it's about the delivery service. He says, and if you get the right dealer, you get munchies. He says, will you fuck off? He says, he's the way the job says, man, you manage to get a boy a bag of gear. You're probably going to bang at someone's head on the tail. You're not even someone that you ripped off three weeks ago. These fellas are bleeding, dressing it all up. We'll drop you up munchies to the gaff. So it's, it, come yeah. here. It's changed. Oh, it's like what you said. Come here. Anybody that's that's suffering from drug psychosis, it, the name is in it. It's from drugs. Yeah. It's from taking drugs. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people smoke a lot of weed and think, oh, I'm going to give her up, like. Like, you can't just be smoking nine or ten joints a day yeah. and go well, up the next morning and think, I'm stopping this. People, I know a lot of people, if they're not smoking a joint, they're rolling a joint, and then they'd say, like, I'm knocking this on the head, and they're able to tell me, did he ever, when the last one was out of the joint. Yeah. So next day, they knock the, the, the grass on the head on a Sunday, and you bump into them on, like, a Tuesday, they'd be like, I had a joint about 27 hours ago. And you'd be like, yeah. what? <laughs> what did I say, like, yesterday? Yeah. Like, I'm, a, I'm a day off, and I'm like, that's how you know. People say that weed has no addictive qualities. I find that hard to believe because I don't know anybody who's gone off it completely. Who who smokes it regularly and has just never done it again. Yeah, yeah. Listen, and you can definitely see the change in people's behaviour. Because I know people that will go off for a couple of weeks and they're more productive. They're less paranoid. Yeah. That you can laugh at them more. Yeah. But then when they, they start smoking again, you talk to them and you can see, you'd say something to them four seconds later, you see them processing it, they'll say something back. And then if you say a joke to them, they always take her up the wrong way. Yeah. And the joke will go over the head and they get paranoid and defensive about it. And you're like, right, calm down. Like, what are you saying? Uh, like, cause it's easy for people to jump on board and they're all using it against weird because two years well, are sober and stuff. I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm, 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 listen, do what you want. Listen. We're not slating it. We're saying, well, no, I'm just saying it's very easy to abuse. It, it, that's the, the only problem with, that I would have with legalising weight is the abusive side like it's two ways to abuse that you know what I mean yeah. if you were going to limit it to two or three joints a day obviously nobody's going to do that like if you love your bleeding weight you're going to smoke all day and so be it enjoy it but the problem is like, they think the, but they'd need to smoke two or three a day because I think if you go any more than that you are abusing it yeah yeah and that's where the problem lies like it's just the psychedelic qualities of it are what's going to harm you and I don't yeah. think I think it's still in its infancy now especially the quality of the way that you're getting in the country do you know what I mean yeah. the new strains of it like people 
don't realise the scientists out there the last 20, 30 years ground these strains away with like, which mm. like you smoke a joint it is you're gone you know yeah, what I mean so like definitely. people are flat out gunting them joints or the and I think we haven't got long enough to, to gauge to say like this is what it's causing here you know yeah. what I mean yeah Sorry. well like later on when <coughs> we when we, when we started taking class A drugs like over in London like um, I remember when with a cab driver one time coming back from Sainsbury's I think at the bleeding shopping and he was smoking he says do you mind if I smoke in the car and I was like no he's having a said what's that he goes oh it's skunk do you want to be? I says, yeah, give us a bit. So he gave me enough for about two or three joints. So I got into the gaff, rolled the joint, had a smoke of this thing. I'm not joking with his lads. I woke up about three o'clock in the morning. The shopping and all was still in the bleeding counter in the gaff. So there is a thing. And then you've got, you've got the other side of it saying to yourself, is it a gateway drug to other drugs? Do you know what I mean? Because like, there's not there's not a lot of people that just smoke weed full stop and that's all they do. I mean, they're going out on the weekend they're on the bleeding yeah. sniff, do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're on the egg or hoover or the bleeding yeah. doom or whatever else that they're doing, like, but I mean, and it's a lottery, you kind of say to yourself, oh, it's not going to happen to me, like, and, well, it ha- and come that. here, listen, it, it can happen to you, it happened to me three times, I ended up in three fucking psychiatric hospitals, I ended up in that hospital in London, which was an intensive care psychiatric unit, right, and I got out of the place, I escaped out of it twice, the first time I escaped out of it, I limped back to what I got battered up in the hackney, I tried to rob a go-kart off a black young that was on a petrol go-kart and I tried to take him off it. Right, on me head, pair of pyjamas on me like at four o'clock during the day, bleeding, psyched up to the eyeballs, full of medication. I don't know who come round the corner with him 20 minutes later, but there was three other big fellas and they fucking handballed me up and down the road and I went back and banged on the door. So let, me back in. let me back in. Sorry about that. Bleeding like that. around the door and slapped around. Do you know what I mean? So it's it, like that's that's where it, it ended me up. And then I come home after all that. My sister took me home and detoxed me off all the drugs. Like I was in a psychiatric clinic once a week going up and yeah, but just, just, coming just, down to just me. go back to where you were there. So you were saying you, you spent seven or eight months of when you got put into that. Yeah. Into that place. And then how, how do you come around and come over? Like? I, do, I, did, see, I was under a thing called a section two, right? So every 28 days you got assessed. So you went in in front of a board kind of like X Factor for lunatics. <laughs> so you sat down and they bleed and all says, you know, whatever, look at you, no, you're not ready to go out or, you know, we don't believe. But then they try to put a support plan in place for it and all that. So my sister had said, look, I'll take him home. He's got somewhere to come home to. I'm going to look after him. We're going to link him up with the psychiatric clinic in, in Dublin and Ballymoon and blah, blah, blah. So eventually after about seven or eight months, even though I was still highly medicated, and I was on serious amounts of medication, like, you know, they eventually says, right, things are cooling down a little bit. Look, I'd be in this place and I just think, someone had come in from a prison or something like that and I think, this fella's coming in here to murder me. Like, that, that's where, where my head would go. And I'm not joking. You might be sitting there and watching the telly and you get a smack of a chair across the back of the bleeding head for nothing, like, do you know what I mean? But it's a scary so, It's funny, you can laugh oh, about it now, but that's just... That's yeah, it's very... Scary, when I look like, back now, like, it's very, very frightening, especially when you're in yeah. a different country. Yeah. Like, that you're not, you know, in Aloysius, or you're not in the Richmond Road up yeah. in Vincent's, which I was in there as well, and I was in Dundrum and in, in the Central Mental Hospital as well. Like, so I've been... I've been around, like, and I mean... When you're in a different country, it's completely different because you're limited to who can come up and see you. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's kind of like, even though my dad had loads of family over there, I was still very limited to people coming up to see me. Like, do you know what I mean? And sometimes even if people couldn't get up for a couple of days, no matter what, because of work or whatever, yeah. you think, 
I'm being left here now. No yeah. one's coming up to see me anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I used to be looking out the window on the Hamilton High Road and uh, and going, I'm, I'm here for I'm here for the rest Forever, of my life, yeah. like, you know. So look at moving on <laughs> forward, I I ended up coming home, getting off the tablets, going on the psychiatric uh daycare yoke, finishing with that, then doing the same thing again, ended up in Vincent's on the Richmond Road, ended up in the central now. How old was we talking here now? About 19, 20 at this stage, yeah. So you're only in London for about two or three, yeah? Yeah, about two or three years. On and off, I, I've been in London probably for about 10 years in my, in my life altogether, do you know yeah. what I mean? But when I got back home here, then it was just... After, after all that episode, when I got out of the Central Mental Hospital after that, I, I, I started getting mixed up with taking gear, like, do you know what I mean? Used to go to raves, and after the raves, when people were coming out off east, they were smoking gear, and curiosity killed the cat, and I started smoking gear, and then that just took a whole new level of, of, of drug taking altogether. And what age, what age did you were talking down when you first took uh... About 19, 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, look, yeah. it was, it was, um, it was a forced kind of experiment. I wanted a lot of knowledge about it back no. then. No, but, I, but, no, but there, there was a lot of knowledge. I knew that heroin killed people. Like, I lived in London and seen two blokes getting sent home in boxes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so I, knew, I had the awareness right. and I had the understanding. Mm. But it's just kind of, I think I always kind of had that addictive personality from when I was a kid, from when I was sniffing glue. And I always kind of had a substance in my life in one form or another. And it was kind of like when I started using gear, it was like I was out there getting the platinum fucking card to taking something yeah. that really, you know, and, and still kind of carrying trauma from all them years of being a kid and then carrying the trauma from the psychiatric hospitals and yeah. all that stuff. It was a great way of just kind of, you know, like that song comfortably numb from fucking Pink Floyd that you just reached that state of bleeding mongo like that nothing around you mattered. Well, yeah, but everything, yeah. everything then started to happen with that. Like I started, I was going out with a girl and I started going to jail and, and you know, and then I started using intravenously. I said I'd never use like, and, and, and I did. I started using needles and I'd be in Mount Joy and I'd be in a fucking toilet and, you know, there'd be blokes putting needles into me neck and be using me groin and it was just it was carnage like then eventually I got I was selling gear to a fella and I, and, and I ended up getting caught with a bit of stuff that wasn't mine and um, I ended up going back to London my mum was living in London from when I was in there at the psychiatric hospital she'd moved over so I brought all my troubles all my carnage over to my mum's like do you know what I mean um, my mum's a lovely bleeding woman and just landed on my door like yeah. you know and I remember going to London and having a few quid my dad was only like getting redundancy out of uh, telecom and I was saying give me a good few quid and I just ended up in King's Cross going over on the train smoking crack like sitting in a bleeding doorway with a homeless fella like and just where, where it brought me and all the stuff that it got me to do like it was just it was just fucking madness and then eventually me missus come over to London and that you know, with a job for a while, and I was trying to hold down jobs, and you know, and it just uh, everything fell apart. Then eventually, I got extradited home from London, um, by the police. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying, you know, and I always say this: I'm not a gangster, I'm not a fucking career criminal, I'm nothing like that. I was very, very bad at, at, at crime, and that's why I always ended up in prison. And like, I went home then. I was living in a car in London at the time. That's how glamorous my drug using was. Me and my partner were living in a fucking car on the side of the road and I was strung out to bits and I ended up getting extradited home. I got five and a half years with a review after three and a half years that I do something about my problem. I went to Brixton Prison for six weeks away in extradition. 
the solicitor came to the cell in Stoke Newton Police Station and says to me, look at, are you involved in any criminal activity at home? Uh, look, the IRA, aren't like that. I says, no. Are you avoiding tax evasion? I says, no. She says, well, look, at when you go to Bow Street Magistrates Court in the morning, just wave your rights and say you want to go home because they're, they're going to get you home eventually, yeah. like, you know. So I, I, I ended up doing that and I was six weeks, I was dying sick in Brixton Prison. I knew nobody. I went in. What's that like? That's a uh, reputation of being one of the worst oh, prisons in the It was 23-hour bang-up. It was. Yeah. Um, I look like what did you say 23 hours a day locked up. 23. Do you know what, lads? I said, y'all walking around with these tracks you've got? No, no, no. Like, you know, look do you know like, what? Yeah, I'm dressing all grey. Yeah. I look like I'm training to fight Apollo Creed. Some of them, some of them do. Oi, come here. When I left Brixton Prison after six weeks, Roy, um, I came home with a pair of HMP who matches these prison jeans. I still have the jeans in the gaff. Class. 28 ways. Yeah, I still have them. <laughs> I should have brought them in, me lads. You said, I laughed. I would have showed you this. You'd have went, they wouldn't go on my bleeding five year old young one. Yeah. They're tiny, like. Yeah, and yeah. I was just really, really sick. My teeth were all bleeding, rotten. I was in a bad way. And I landed in Dublin and um, I got the five and a half years and I went straight up to the joy. And within a few weeks, I was back using again. So I was back on that whole fucking carousel of using and this that using after people that you know had HIV using after people that had hepatitis C and was very very lucky at the end of me using like that I, I contracted hepatitis C and um, that was it like you know obviously there's treatment for it now I went and got treated a few years ago it's gone and everything is is cleared up I actually done it a talk in in front of the hematology group in the RDS in front of a lot of doctors and professors and nurses Got up and spoke about the treatment. Hematology study of blood. Yeah, got really overwhelmed. Oh, really really overwhelmed about about what it was and real emotional. That I was having a second chance, chancing at me life back. My liver was healed up and I, you know, I, I was back in the fucking game, so to speak. Do you feel like but you have I mean, a bit of survivor's guilt from that? Will and yeah, I do. Come here, there's a bit of mate of mine got buried yesterday morning. Like my my mates are still doing that. I used to use with. Do you know what I mean? Other mate of mine, um, I'm not gonna mention him or anything like that. The lads that are listening know who he is, and he was a really good fucking bloke. And got caught up in addiction. And I do mates of mine that were murdered. Uh, that that you know went back using and 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 whatever. I actually seen a fella get murdered at the back of my man's there about six years ago. I actually seen a bloke shooting him with a bleeding shotgun, like. In the face, um, at the back of Killarney Court. I don't know if you remember it. There a few years ago. Well, I seen your man shooting, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I looked out the window. Those two boards having a piss, yeah. and 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 your man was in the in where the garden is at the back yeah, of, of yeah. And your man's going, "Oh, please, Sean, no, 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 no!" And I'm going, "What the fuck?" So I looked out my man's window, and uh, I seen a fellow with a baseball cap on the sound yeah. of shotgun. Straight in the fucking face. Yeah, but that wasn't like, that wasn't gangland or anything. No, he just no. went off the head. Yeah, didn't he? yeah, yeah. Yeah, just some fella went off. I remember that I was in I was in my board scaff when that happened in Wexford, right? Yeah. And for a year I'd go down probably once or twice every two or three months. You know, like that like they'd see me about four times a year down there. Every time I go down someone would get shot in Dublin. And they, they used to make a joke say, Oh, this your alibi covered. Could jump as I was always yeah. down there. Yeah man, he shot that fella, yeah, and tired. Twenty seventh of October, yeah, I'll never forget it. Yeah. Love hate was on that night because mm. I remember saying, or no, because I remember watching it with me board and our family because yeah. they'd be like, What's it like in Dublin? And I was like, Ah, it's not this bad. Boom, comes up on Facebook, so I think it's shot around the corner. We got, mm. you know what I mean? But that's I remember that looking into it because I was like, What? That's mad because he robbed the taxi then. Yeah, come here. The, 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 the cost of life these, these days is just bleeding. It's 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 a few quid, that's all it really is. Like, on a moment of madness to somebody, but I mean, going back to going back to jail then, so I was in jail. How long did you know in prison overall? 
over like a true army life. All like, times, yeah. I'd say probably about six or seven years. Yeah. Um, but that last time was the last time, like. Right. I just, I just got a. I start going to these meetings in jail. A bloke says to me, "Listen, there's meetings going on. These anonymous meetings. I can't really mention because you're not meant on right. radio press or anything like that." So yeah. I start going to these meetings. There was free cigarettes, and uh, <laughs> that was the only reason I went. The nights <laughs> I was stoned, I'd go up, and the nights I wasn't, I wouldn't go up. You know. Yeah. But something kind of, something kind of gave, and I just says to myself, you know, I need to get myself out of this rut that I'm in. Like I was in a bad, bad way. I was uh, really, really sick, and I knew a screw in there. Me, me ex girlfriend used to babysit for this fella, and he said to me, look, does that looking deal for you? If you need a bit of help or you want to, you know, do something, let me know. And I just walked up the landing one day. I just says, listen, I said I need a bit of help. I said I need to get my shit together. He said to me, what do you want to do? I says I want to get a detox. And I want, I want to try bleeding, you know, get myself together right. before I got out. Because I knew if I got out, I, every time I got out of jail, I got out with a bag of stuff. And I'd usually, like, like, no disrespect to this area, but this was the hot spot around Dublin 1 yeah. when, when drugs was, was gone. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I used to just come down here, get rid of me stuff, whatever I had, and bleed and use. Like, I knew no better, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But this time I just went, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give this a go. So he says to me, look, leave it with me. So a couple of weeks later, he come back and he went, yeah, right, I'm not to get into the detox unit. So I went to the detox unit, done a week's detox. There was 10 of us in the detox unit. Uh, six of them are dead at, at the moment. The other, the other three aren't clean. I was the only one that got clean out of the whole That thing. is nuts. I remember your man saying it to me That's in the group. He goes, if one is, he says, if one of us get clean in this group, he says, this is a successful group. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to get clean. But well, I could imagine you're annoying blokes going, what was the moment? Clean. What well, was the moment? Hang on for a second. That's 10% success rate. Yeah. Did no one come in and say there's something wrong here? Well, they mm. want something wrong. Do you know what? I think there's only so much you can do for some people. I think if you, look, I was, I, I said that the other day, I said, look, it's like getting in the ring with bleeding Auntie Joshua every day, getting into that ring and getting battered. And there's just one day, I just says, do you know what? I'm not getting in the ring anymore. I've been battered too many times. Yeah. There has to be a better life to this. I was in my late 20s at the time. I says, I need to get my shit together. And, I, and it was I, just a I, lot of I thoughts need, that made it Yeah, I need to get out. I mean, it, do you know what I mean? I, I, I'd, every, I'd everything but nothing kind of going for me. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I knew nothing else. Like I'd been out of the country for a good few years. I'd been in London for a couple of years on the run. And then I'd been locked up for a few years. So it was like... When I come out, it was like a whole, I could make a whole fresh start at this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mates weren't my mates. Nobody dropped nothing up to me in prison or made sure I was all right. It was like every time in my life that I, I, I dealt with a disaster, I went to prison. It was my family. It was my sister. It was my ma. It was my dad. They were the ones that stepped up to the plate for me all the time. So I went to the detox unit. Then from the detox unit, I went to the training unit. And then I started going to the meetings again in the training unit and then eventually I went up on my review and I got out and I started going to these meetings. I'd say I was out about a month, my partner got pregnant and then I, I, I you know, started getting, I got a job, I walked with loads of lads from the, the inner city, started scaffolding with the Giffords and walked down in, in Crow Park when it was getting built and just started doing a day programme and, you know, doing loads of, kind of doing loads of work on myself and just just try to get myself back together and bleeding. Try, try to find out. Look, I didn't know whether I wanted a bleeding shite or a haircut. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, I was just... Lost. I'd lost my whole yeah. identity of who I was. I didn't know who I was because for years when I took drugs, I had so many masks that I put on through the day when I'd meet people. Look, I'd meet people I used with and they'd be like, act like them. Then I'd meet their mas and I'd be a different person or I'd bump into me dad and I'd be someone else, you know? So it was all that type of stuff. And um, then we had... 
for the first five years of my recovery, my, my ex-partner was using. And then, you know, we, I, my daughter was born and just stuff just started to happen in my life. You know, I, I found that I, I, I lost the obsession and I lost the compulsion to use drugs. Like, so I gave up everything. Like, so it was like no drink, no mood altering chemicals, just bleeding, try live the right thing, do the right thing, be honest, open minded, be willing and just try live a different life to the life that I was living. Like, so all the time, it just made me golden rule every day when I grew up to say, look at that, no matter what happens today, no matter what happens in my life, I'm not using, I'm not picking up and I'm not using. And I had loads of new friends that were all in recovery and started going to different countries, got a passport, got a car, got a mortgage on a house, all the stuff that I thought was alien and I thought that fucking Egypt's done. I ended up, you know, and I say very loosely, becoming a fucking Egypt yeah. and start paying taxes and start doing the right thing and start being honest and, you know, stuff that was alien to me because I hadn't done that for years. My dad kind of always drilled that stuff into me to have manners and have respect. Even when I was sick and even when I was using, I still had that in me. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't... I could remember being in prison and going up for me dinner and saying thanks, you know, thanks very much to the prison officers. But that, that's... Blokes would be going, what are you fucking saying thanks to them for? And I'm like, that's just the way just, I yeah, am. Like, that's yeah. just my manners, how I was brought up. So all the time, I started, you know, getting the job back together. Then I started doing it with a comedy. And I yeah. got out of prison. So I met... Des Bishop while I was in prison. So Des Bishop says to me, I've got a great idea for a programme. So what happened? Did he out, come into the prison or something, was it? Yeah, so this is what happened. When I got out of jail, so the whole programme <coughs> that Des done was meant to be about me getting out and embarking on the world of stand-up comedy, right? Because I'd done a thing at a convention I was at and I'd done a, um, a bleeding auction and I was auctioning off all the stuff and I was having a bit of crack. Because I'm witty and, and I'm, I'm kind of funny, yeah. like, you know? So he said, it'd be a great idea. You get out, he says, and uh, start on the wall of stand-up comedy. And I knew that I'd be on the late, late. I knew I'd be on a lot of radio shows. I knew this, that, and do that. You knew you'd be on Talking Bollocks? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, well if I'd have known that, I'd have and done it, but I didn't. <laughs> but no, but I, I also knew that I had an awful lot at stake as well, that I was going to be branded as the ex-drug addict, ex-comedian, uh, ex-drug addict, ex-prisoner comedian, yeah. and I'd have been branded all that. And I threw a bit of talking with people that I knew and whatever and, you know, thinking about my job and thinking about my family, that there was other things at stake. I just went, no, this isn't for me. I says, as much as I'd love to do it, I says, Des, I can't do this. So I didn't do it. I, I opted not to do it. And it was a, one of the biggest decisions I made in my life, but one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. I said to him, look, if you're doing that now, let's give us a show. So then he done the join the hood thing, which yeah. was going into disadvantaged areas and teaching people how to do stand-up. So he done Ballymoon Force for the pilots game. So I was in that. Now I had to go like everyone else and do the interview and all that, but we got in. And then at the end of it, you do a gig to all your family and friends. We done it in the Access Theatre. Yeah. So after that then, he started bringing us on tour with him. So I was on in fucking Vicar Street. I was on in Cork Opera House. I was on in the marquee in Cork in front of three and a half thousand people. Fucking hell. I was like, thought I was bleeding Billy Connolly's young for the yeah. round, you know what I mean? <laughs> But then we were kind of after that tour, we were left on our own. So we started doing gigs and open spots and places and this, that. And then we eventually started getting paid. Then I got bits in the Savage Eye and then I got bits in the Irish Pictorial. Then I was in Love Hate. I, I read for your man Fran the Man's part twice. I got Someone a said back. to me the other day that you were in Love Hate and I said, no, you weren't. Yeah, I was the electrician. Do you remember when your man got shot outside the gym? Do you remember he was coming out of the gym, your man? Uh, was that in the one of the early episodes? Yeah, one of the early ones. Do you remember he, he, he got banged coming out of the gym, a black-haired fella, and the, the, the electrician's in the gaff doing the alarm for his ma, and says to the ma, 
yeah, this is what you do. This is a panic out. Yeah. Because that was me. I was the electrician. And yeah. But come here. I remember in the Savage Eye as well. Yeah, I was uh, in it. The, the, the three wise men. Yeah, but did you... Fuck did, in... Oh, Taryn. Did you, did you see did the courtroom opera? Uh, I don't know. Anyone that's looking for them, David McSavage, his Instagram page has all the videos. That's right, yeah. I know you've seen it on it. The three wise men. Oh, that was boy. brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we're, it's we're kind of bad when you think about it, yeah. Well, I've kind of been typecasted as well. Yeah, that's stuff why I'm that saying I'm doing it's bad. Because it's, it's very easy to play something that you've been doing for yeah. years. Do so, you know what I mean? So like, the yeah. skit is, it's supposed to be the three wise men coming to see uh, the baby G's at me yeah. and Bob. And that was three. Three yeah. drug addicts, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the truth. It was, and it was actually very good. And David, come here. David is, is, is a great fella. He's a great writer. And then another guy that was in that is a guy called John Caleri, who'd done a lot of the writing as well, who'd just be in it with him singing mad songs and all. Yeah. He'd be another good mate of mine. So we've got an opportunity to go into that. And then, you know, got got bits and pieces, done loads of gigs, met great people along the way kind of started to find myself playing a bit of squash started playing a bit of golf stuff that I kind of thought fucking wankers done do you yeah, know what I mean like, yeah. and, and I mean now straight like yeah, I seen no, anyone playing golf I was like well, you fuck off golf like do you know what I mean do you know what I mean interest in golf was I was pulling the bleeding golf clubs out of the boot of your car oh having a shoot at the 11th hole <laughs> on the 11th hole it's alone yeah exactly and then uh, yeah so I, I, I gigged with loads of great people like fucking Look, I could drop names all over the fucking place. Go on, people. give us a few of that. Go on. Right, so I've gigged with Kevin Bridges. I've gigged with John Bishop. I've gigged with... Um, Tommy. Jason Bourne, Tommy Tiernan, low, uh Mickey Flanagan. Yeah. Loads of really good people that I've met along the way. And come here, all of them had really nice blokes. Like, do you know what I mean? They're all sound and all that they're doing is just trying to give you a hand and say, yeah, played in some great... Went to Dubai, done an Irish festival in Dubai, gigged in England, gigged in Scotland... You know, gig doing some poxy gigs as well. <laughs> it's not all bleeding, standing ovations and all that. I've died on me whole a few times. And you got heckled a good few times? Yeah, I've got heckled a good few times. But I de- I'm all right at dealing with hecklers. I always yeah. tell them, if you're going to heckle, make sure it's a good one. If it's yeah. a good one, I'll give you a clap and I'll say, that was a good fucking heckle. Give us an example of that. Because I always wondered, right, did you want to be brave to do that? Because that person up there is getting paid to give stick. So if you stand up and say something, yeah. they're going to fucking give you yeah, a stick. Yeah, of course they do. Come here, listen, you get ones that are really, really, really annoying and you try to be nice with them first, which I always try to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it just, it, set, it, it buckles the whole gig. Like, do oh, you know what I mean? Because if yeah. you lose your head on stage, the, the whole audience turn against you. Yeah, You're going to lose yeah, them, like, you know? Yeah. And I've seen it. I gig with a fella, and another name who you probably know, who was, in my opinion, one of the best stand-up comedians of all time, is a guy called Rod Gilbert. He's a Welsh guy. Have you ever heard of him? No. He I has think a, I have. He has yeah. a show on YouTube called The Cat That Looked Like Nicholas Lindhorst. Right? That's the name of the show. This guy, if you Google and have a look at him, um, put in baggage or luggage Rod Gilbert and have a yeah, look at the piece yeah, that he done. Yeah, I know. Now he's you know maybe you seen him turn. Yeah. I had him up in the gaff up in my hall for dinner and everything. He, he came over here to do a few gigs and he was left on his bollocks. Now this pl- fella could play anywhere yeah. at the minute. He does he's a lot of gigs on Comedy Central. Yeah, he's a craftsman at Comedy Central. He's such a yeah. good, he's such and a good writer. Yeah, Moy I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he left without his wallet. I was gigging with, gigging with him and um, I'm not the losing me bleeding train at all. You were dealing with a heckler. And... Yeah, and, and I seen him losing his head one time. We were down in uh, we were down in Carlo and I seen the way the room went and he said to me when I got off stage, 
don't ever buy into that. He says, don't ever get angry. He says, the minute you get angry, you're fucked. So either try to be nice for us and if they're persistent, they're persistent. And you just say things like, where did you learn how to whisper in a fucking helicopter? Or, you know, wouldn't we call it? And then I'd say, listen, it's not my, it's not my uh, put down. If it was mine, I wish it was. So usually what I say then is I just go, shh, 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 hang on for a minute. And then I go, listen, was it that bad when you were in school? Like, did no one listen to you? Did you only know, be drunk? Like, yes. you can expect it. And I go, look, man, I'm trying to fucking walk. This is my job, like, I'm up here. Yeah. I'm trying to entertain the people. I say 99% of the people are enjoying the gig and they'd all be clapping and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'd say, I'm trying to walk. I'd say, when you're trying to walk, why don't walk up and smack the cocks out of your mouth? Do, yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And then usually if you don't show up after that, I just kind of plow on and yeah, just do it on the yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, it, it, it happens and it's part it's part of the job. I've done a gig one night, a 40th birthday party for a fella down in Ennis Ground and I died the death of a thousand deaths if I ever died a death. You see me in a, in a comedy club and this was when the boom was on and you see me in a club called Club Cube. Your man goes, we want you to do a 40th yeah. party. I says, look, I don't really do it. Your man goes, name your price. Yeah, so we gave him a stupid price. He goes, no bother. I said, I should have charged him double that. Yeah. <laughs> right, he did loads of money, right? Brought me down to Ennis Crown. I played golf that day. I went out. I had food. And everything was great. High fives, fucking chest bump. <laughs> and on the stage that night, and I died the death. Of, there was tumbleweeds going across the floor. I was on about five minutes, right? I mean, mouth was going dry and everything. I says, I'm dying on my hole here. I'm trying to pull the bleeding good stuff out of the bag and they were having none of it, right? I swear, after about 15 minutes, now, luckily enough, they paid me before the gig. Right? Yeah. So I had the money in my back pocket. And I just went, I ain't getting out of here. It's abandoned ship, like. So yeah. I went, listen, thanks very much. And the minute I got off stage, right, the band started playing and there was about a hundred of them up on the floor dancing. And I went over to your man and I was so your man goes, look, I said, listen, I told you, I told him beforehand, I said, if you see me in a comedy club, I said, this is a your man goes, look, it's no hassle, it's grand. Yeah. I said, look, I'm just going up to bleeding, get a different shirt, sweating I was, going to get a different t-shirt on. I went up, turned the phone off, <laughs> locked the bleeding dog, up the next morning at seven o'clock, got a bit of breakfast and gone up the road. <laughs> that was it. But um, yeah, stuff like that has happened, you know? Mm. And then, like, there's been there's been loads of great highs in my life, you know, through through my recovery, like, and then I've had loads of lows, like, with my sister that I talked about earlier on, who was fucking always there for me. She died in two thousand and ten. She died of cervical cancer. She was only forty four, and that was a really really tough time in my recovery. And the one time I always say in my life that I felt really so powerless and couldn't do anything for anybody because my sister done everything for me. She went above. And beyond, like, the bleeding helped me all the time. My sister, it was more closer to my sister than I ever was to my mother or father. We were like two peas in a pod. I have a portrait of her on the back of my leg there. And then um, when she was asking me to help her down the fucking hospice in 2010, and I just couldn't help her. Couldn't help her. I was out the back of her and uh, she was in a wheelchair. And I remember lying on her lap crying me fucking eyes out. I was gone. It was like a part of me was just dying, like, which, which it really was, like, because this woman had been with me she was me older sister I remember going on the talent competition when I was a young fella about six years of age singing that I was moaning to that song Shawadi Wadi A Little Bit of Soap it was called right and the song went A Little Bit of Soap will wipe away the lipstick on my face and I remember my sister putting on lipstick and kissing me face and also the lipstick was yeah. on my face like and I just 
looks really missed of Leighton Sandwich. I remember being up in the matter with, uh, about three weeks before she died and washing her feet, her feet, skin on her feet was really, and just having that intimate moment where, you know, and just moisturising her feet and asking her, is she all right? And just watching her wither away to fucking nothing to kill me, like, you know? And was that your weakest point in your router recovery? I'd, I'd say, yeah, definitely, definitely was. But I didn't think about using it, I didn't think about drinking. It and didn't, then me didn't dad, cross your mind at all? No, 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 it didn't, no. Because, I, 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 like, as, as I said to you, my thing was all the time, no matter what happens, you don't You're not going to go back. Yeah. Right. And then me dad, who I got a lovely relationship with when I come into recovery and sat down, a bit of walk around him and, you know, and accepting and understanding and having a look at where he came from and what he dealt with as a young flit and all that. I got, had a great relationship with him. And then he got cancer as well, Luke, you know. And then um, he died in 2016. And I remember being up in the hospice with him in, in, in St. Uh, Luke's hosp- Hospice in Harold's Cross. And I remember him being there and just saying to him, look, I'm going to be here with you, like, you're not going to be on your own, like, I'm going to stay with you. Like. So I stayed the last few nights and the cancer got into his brain and he started going a bit, you know, off the wall. And then he went under then, like, and I remember, I couldn't even, it's mad because it kind of brought me back to being that kid when I was a kid and being fearful of waiting to hear the key torn in the door with me. I couldn't sleep at night because... I, when I heard him breathing, he had that like kind of death rattle going on. When people are doing the cancer, if you've ever witnessed it, it's that. And I, and I, I was going, I hope he just, I knew if he stopped breathing that he was going to die, like, you know. But on the Friday morning, I went up and got a bit of breakfast. The nurse says, me, go on up and get yourself something to eat. We're just going to change, you know, make sure he's all right and get him ready. When I was up getting something to eat, the doctor ran up after me. I wanted to care. He says, okay, you better come back down. The dad's taking a bit of a turn. And there was nobody there. <laughs> It was just me and him, do you know what I mean? And I held him and I just says, look at, I fucking love you. I says, eh, you know, and I, um, I just understood. I understood everything that he done for me. You know, even the fucking, and, you know, kind of going to take another fucking 20 baitings or whatever it was. And I just believed and loved this man unconditionally. Like, and I believed and miss him. I miss him terrible. I used to go into him all the time. And when he lived over at, uh, at over on Francis Street, he's from the Liberties, like, that's where he went back to. And then, um, yeah, I miss him terrible, and I miss me bleeding sister terrible. Like, it's, I kind of feel poxy that I come from such a small family, and I love to have a brother, or I love to have another sister, or I bleeding just someone there to kind of take a little bit of comfort in. And my ma's not great at the moment. My ma's COPD, she's 78. I had her up in the hospital earlier and on, and I just tried to do as much for home. Then my relationship bleeding broke down after 22 years, and I was getting kicks in the face all over the place when I thought, Things couldn't get any worse. It was like a fucking nut sucker punch, like, you know. And um, ended up on my own in recovery. It just felt real. At the time in recovery, I actually wanted to fucking take my own life, like, you know. I was looking at him. I was looking at the fucking hatch in the attic at me. got fucking lay down and saying to myself, just fucking hang yourself. Just put a note in your pocket. You'll understand. And uh, get it over with, you know. And um, it was a really fucking dark time. And I don't mind sitting here getting fucking emotional and getting upset about it. This is who I am, like. I don't, I don't fuck what other people think about me. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a good person. I know I do the fucking right thing. I'd help anybody that's suffering with addiction or suffering with mental health, you know. And I was only saying to Ted and earlier on, I like to do stuff for people and not say anything to anybody. Yeah. Just do the fucking thing. You don't need to go on Facebook and go, I'll yeah. get a fella at five today on yeah. the bridge. Charity's you know not, I mean? like, charity shouldn't be vanity. If you're doing yeah. exactly, so... You know, I, I, I just tried to do the bleeding. I tried to do the right thing. And then after a while, being on my own and, and coming back to Dublin, I was living in Cork for a while. I met a beautiful girl. 
And um, I thought I'd never meet anyone again, like, do you know what I mean? And I met this girl and we just clicked. And I've been with her now for five years and I'm fucking mad about her. I really, really am. Mm. You know, I've never loved, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a woman the way I love this woman. And we just get each other and we're good for each other. And we're into the same things and um, the air madness just goes off each other. It's click, yeah. Yeah, it, it happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and um, she, she's an amazing, she's an amazing person. But if, you know what, it's a mad, it's a mad, mad story where I've been to where, to where I am now. Look, I was just saying that Ted and Taylor and I was 20 years. Playing a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, in recovery, yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Which is like, I can honestly say, if I went outside now and got a bang of a bus, I, it wouldn't bother me. I've done so much in the last 20 years yeah. of my life than I've done in the 29 before that. It's mad because I was 29 when I got clean. I was in cell 29 in Mount Joy before I got out. I, but the house I bought was 29. Fucking Yeah, man. and then I went in um, after, when I was a year clean, I put 100 euro on the bonus bond the lotto, and it was, was 28. 29. Oh, 28? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Better sit now. It'd be a great end of the story, wouldn't it? <laughs> You're a fucking dog, boy. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. Tears in my eyes, and the wife got pumped that one out. I'm sitting there. I'm about to be in yeah, shopping yeah, like yeah. that, yeah. And he tells you something no, like that. Do you know what? Yeah, it's, 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 oh. a, it's a far cry from where I'm coming from. Let's just say to anyone that's listening to this at all, or anyone that's struggling, that there fucking is a way out. Like, I mean, I was homeless on the fucking streets. I was in a... I was like, people say to me, what was your rock bottom like? Why the fucking bag of rock bottoms like? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd been in times in my life where I just went, do you know what I mean? And I always kind of had that little bit of, small little bit of hope going, I shouldn't really be in this position like. Do you know what I mean? I know better than this and I know that there is better than this to come. And then I'd done the play. I don't, I, I don't know whether you've seen a clip of the play or not. I so I'd done this play. These lads went into Mount Joy, uh, Phelan, Phelan Cannon and Gary Keegan. They're, they're two lads that have this theatre company called Broken Talkers. Then they got a girl from um, UCD who's a criminologist um, professor. And then they got all of the, there was other people involved in this. So they were doing a piece about mental health in prison and what goes on in prisons and the stuff from, you know, pissing and bleeding in, 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 in pots and cells and just... Not kind of people the way people say, oh yeah, you know when you hear people on Joe Duffy, I'm not slating Joe Duffy or not like that, but I'm saying just say radio shows or television going, oh yeah, it's a holiday camp in there, like, it's not a fucking holiday camp, like, and as I say in the play, what holiday camp locks you up at half seven that night, what holiday camp only lets you see our family or the people that you love once a fucking week, like, do you know what I mean? Prison is prison. The prison sentence is, is that your freedom is taken away from you. That's, that's what it is, like, you know? Yeah. So... They went and they seen the music teacher. So they needed someone to do the part for this play. So they went and seen the music teacher. There's a guy called Jerry Hendricks. And they says to him, who off the top of your head would you recommend would be the person to do? Because it was initially meant to be a one-person play. So it was a one-man play. And your man goes, has to be Willie White. He says, you have to get in contact with Willie White. He says, he's the fella to do this. He says, he's a great fucking story. He's a great bloke. He's a great singer. He says, he's done an album with us and... For the Barrettstown gang, I've done a couple of songs on an album with them. So your man got finally got in touch with me on Twitter, the power of social media, sent me a message and just went, listen, we're from Broken Talkers, we're thinking of doing a play, would you be interested? I says, yeah, I would. And I went in and met them. 
and uh, I thought the play was written and everything, but it wasn't. So then I started telling him about experiences of me being in hospital and, and stories of stuff that had happened. He says, can we use this? He says, listen, at any time, if you're feeling comfortable about us using that, don't be panicking. We'll pull it out and whatever. So it's just grand. So initially, as I said, it was meant to be me. So I was doing it on my own. We were voice recording another person of a part of me in the start of my voice. But it wasn't really working. So then they got Gary, Gary Keegan, to come in and play the part of the other fella. And it just worked great. So what had happened, even though the play wasn't written, Gary had been a victim of crime in London a good few years ago when he was over there in college. And I'm an ex-criminal. So Gary's kind of playing devil's advocate, kind of going, you know, telling his part about being an ex-victim. And I'm telling him about the conditions in prison. And then there's like pieces getting read out from blokes that are doing life in Mount Joy. And it, it, do you know what? It was a f- and I always say this, like, it's not just that I was in it. It was a fucking amazing piece of theatre yeah. that these guys put together. So we went, we we done a few shows here. Then we went to Edinburgh and we done a few shows. And then we got great reviews. Some really good people came to see us in Edinburgh. And then the year we were in Edinburgh in 2019, it was like European Theatre Festival. So people from all over the world were coming to see different pieces. So we had people in from Australia, we had people in from New York, France. And through the whole lot of it, we got booked to go to France. We got booked to go to Norway. Uh, getting looking into going to Australia, looking into going to New York, doing an Irish tour. The whole lot. Then we done the the Fringe Festival, the Dublin Fringe Festival. So we won best production at the Dublin Fringe Festival, and I won best actor at the Dublin Fringe Festival. Class. Out six hundred and fifty people. Class. And I swear to God, genuinely, I never thought I'd win it. My missus says to me that morning, I'd even forgot about it. She's that yoke because I'm going to be going in in Wheelands. So I said, fuck it, we'll go in. And when I went in and when he called out my name, I was like, fucking hell, I couldn't believe it. I got this award and I grew up and done a speech and I basically says, look at this. Didn't think I was going away and pulled the speech out of the back yeah, pocket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I went in and I, I, I gave a speech on the bleeding podium and I says, look, this is for the fucking people, for the people, the hopeless cases that think, you know, that there's nothing left to fucking give and, he just kind of said, look, a failure isn't staying down, you know, it's, or it isn't falling down, it's staying down. And, you know, this is for the people with addiction issues and the people with alcohol issues, that there is another way of life if you want it. Do you know what I mean? It's on offer. All you've got to do is just ask for help. Then we won the fucking Irish Times Best Production Award as well, which was a big, big award to win. So there was loads of interest in it, you know? Yeah. Loads of stuff was meant to happen. And look at then the, the COVID thing happened and it was kind of all up in the air or whatever. So we're just kind of sitting back and waiting now um, and I'm just trying to keep like, like you said earlier like what am I doing I'm just trying to keep myself busy I start swimming in the sea last Sunday <laughs> uh, it's fucking freezing <laughs> and I'm just you know trying to I plan a bit of weight when my sister actually died in 2011 I'd done the Gale Force West which is a duathlon 74 kilometres running cycling kayaking and climbing Crow Patrick down in Mayo and raised a few quid back, gave a few quid back to the hospice for looking after my sister and that. And always kind of been fit. And then the last few years, I kind of just took my foot off the pedal. I got a little bit comfortable in my relationship. Started getting a relationship with bleeding three and one curries yeah. and bleeding, whatever. <laughs> I brought a bit of weight. I'm not comfortable in my own skin at the moment with, with the way my physique looks and that like that. But you know what? I've done this loads of times before, so... I'm just back doing a few bits and pieces. I'm doing a cycle with actually a lot of lads from the inner city on 
Saturday morning. Mm. We're cycling out to Bray and back for Pieta House. Yeah, on someone else's bike. Quid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. My, my bike will have a bleeding thing of frozen peas on the saddle just to fuel it down. It's that hot. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just trying to keep myself busy and, and do whatever and get back into work and look at my family life and I've, I've loads of stuff and I just try, I try juggle everything at the one time and just try to be a fucking better person. I'm not... And I always say this as well. I'm not no spiritual guru or I'm not the fucking Dalai Lama or I fuck up and I get shit wrong sometimes as well and I fall into arguments at home or stuff and walk or tell fellas I'd hop something off the bleeding head or I never do it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always thought about doing stuff but thinking is okay but taking the action to do it is going to get That's you into exactly trouble. Like, you know? So, so, money so yeah, so I just kind of even a little bit of meditation or a bit of relaxation and just try and go and get and bleed and, you know, to, yeah just yeah. to kind of you know wind it down a little bit I've got a mate of mine uh, Dermot Whelan who does a lot of meditation that you know Dermot and Dave off today I think yeah Losing name drop, doesn't he? No, damn it, damn it, damn it. 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 Damn it, damn be just so chilled out yeah. and so so kind of in touch with yourself. So I'm kind of finding as I get a little bit older in life, I'm lording down the volume in life. Do you know what I mean? It's like teenagers, twenties, it was like red, bleeding, blared at like, do you know what I mean? And it's like now I'm kind of I'm I'm, I'm two towards of the way through my life, no matter what way I kind of dress it up, and yeah. I'm just kind of trying to, to chill out. You're and, content and just, now, yeah. yeah. Exactly, just kind of kick back. Mm. And I find that life for me isn't about and I always say this as well it's not about being fucking you know it's about being bleeding it's about being content with myself and I don't like to be you know Gucci on the outside and Oxfam on the fucking inside (laughs) like I like to have a balance it's not about material things yeah I do like nice things I like nice trainers I like to drive a nice car I like to smell well I I like to have this that and do that none of that stuff is going to fix me the only thing that can fix me is me do you know what I mean I, I need to find you know, the good inside, like, in the, I mean, even the, the dark times that I talked about in my life and, and the, where I was, like, I mean, even with my sister passing away, me dad, I'd have cashed everything I had in materially to get my sister well or to get yeah. my dad well yeah, exactly. or, or aunt like that. So it doesn't mean, it, material things don't mean that, you know. Yeah. And I find, you know what I find great about going swimming down in Port Marnock? And, and a fella said it to me the other night. He says, you know what's great about down here, he says, you meet people underneath this shelter, he says, that are all just coming here for the one thing, they're coming for a swim. Yeah. He says, you know what's great as well? He says, you can't judge them because you can't see their Land Rovers mm. or you can't see their fucking exactly. Corollas or you can't see Ant. They come down in an old bleeding dry robe or a bleeding tracksuit and you take them at face value and you take them for who they are regardless of what they do for a living, what they drive or where they live. We're all just there for the one fucking thing, like, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I said to myself, do you know what? That just hits the nail on the bleeding head, look me. Yeah. Since last Sunday, look me. All I've met down there is nice people. Yeah. There's no one going, you know, you know, whatever. Like it's just, no one's turned their nose up, Jared. No yeah. one at all. Like, it's yeah. like you know, you get out. Fella, gave me a drink last night. That's, ginger and lemon and bleeding. You know, yeah, that's what we're doing. Sit there, yeah. sitting there saying. looking at the sea and going to myself. Do you know what? Isn't it just the bleeding small things in life sometimes? 
that can mean so much and just have a fucking big Do you know what well, a friend of mine said about going sea swimming if you could bottle her up and sell it you'd have a queue around the corner people trying to buy her off yes you would yeah. and I've had people who've messaged me and be like you're off the head like going swimming in the sea or all hours like sunrise or sunsets and shit like that and be like it's freezing cold you nuts you can't describe it to people it's a, it's literally like being born again yeah. you, you get out of that water and you feel like you take on the world Yeah. Mm. do you know what I mean and when you're in it it's just I don't know it humbles you or something and what you're saying about the people as well, like me and Terence have met people doing it, and every single person has been fucking sound. Like, yeah, you're my, my first time was when I'm down there and I'm down there and sea swims. Like, we always talk about the time we went swimming and it was fucking snowing out, the water was three degrees yeah. or something like that. And we got in, and I was just looking at these people getting in with me, like, come on, are you right? And I'm like, you don't even know me, I don't know you, yeah. and you're asking me to rush into this water that's freezing cold, it's pitch black and it's snowing out. Yeah. My first, the only thing I have in common with you is that we're both fucking Egypts yeah. doing this. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but that's yeah. all, like, I don't, I don't know that man, I don't know that, and we're in the water, and he's trying to keep me calm, I'm trying to keep him calm, we're talking, and then you get out and he hands you a cup of soup and all, and you're like, this, this is, is nuts, nuts. Like, yeah. I don't know you, you don't where, know where me. Where are from that's called class as grooming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was always told to stay away from him. Do you him. want to come to see him, sir? No. You know what I mean? Like, you have that, no, kind of little, know, that little sense of community going yeah, on. Like, no one gives a bollocks who yeah, you are. No one yeah. gives a bollocks where you came from or what you're going to do after this. But just in this moment, yeah. it's just kind of this mutual tranquility going on there's and like a unity isn't it, it? that's yeah. what it is do you know what I mean there's, there's no membership there's no nothing. nothing you just turn up yeah and someone will go oh Rui how's it going like I met a fella there like the last few nights I'm have been down there and it's grand because where I am at the moment I can just jump in the car and fly down and just you know just a bag and a towel like, that's, all you, that's all you need that's all you need and I just taunt the blokes that I've never and where are you from the fella saying to me oh this that met this guy and he was telling me that he's in recovery eight years and he was telling me about his story and it's, it's, it's like it's just playing great there's no judging there's no you know look at where we're coming from that that environment you know where people get jealous people get resentful people see you going around with a new pair of skates on your feet common, oh yeah what yeah. are you doing like yeah, do you know what I mean definitely. and you're going to go listen I'm at the point in these like we're bleeding hard and cash yeah. like do you know what I mean there is jealous people but I mean down there there's, there's no judgement whatsoever everyone's just on a level playing field and it's like what you down to swim yeah listen if you're, we're down here again tomorrow night yeah. at 6 o'clock if you want to drop down yeah. there'll be a few of us here do you know what I mean and it's like it's not them come one come all isn't it yeah exactly you know I mean? so girl down there last week and she was doing yoga had a load of them down there at sunrise a, like a proper yoga teacher right? had them all there all of them was doing yoga and then in for a swim then out there and a cup of coffee and a chat Get yourself, you know, they are set up for you. That's it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't go wrong, you know? That's fucking brilliant. Mm. Yeah. And that's just touching back what you were saying about being guilty on the outside, or on the inside. Like, we kind of touch on that an awful lot about people who try and fit in and they're going on a session lot. and they're bleeding, sniffing their brains away and then bleeding, spilling their fucking hearts out <laughs> to people. But, like, they're going out and they're wearing the fucking Canada goose jackets and all, like, they're investing in these material things to fit in with people just to get in a click when they're clearly longing for something. So imagine like that thousand quid you're spending on a jacket that yeah. you didn't even want yeah. or need to try and impress. To, to impress people you don't yeah. even like. Imagine you invested that in say a counselling session. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Getting your mind right. Because that's what you need when you're on the fucking come down from it. Do you know, you know what, what I mean? Do you know what a fella says to me once and it makes great sense? It's very hard to live a champagne lifestyle on lemonade wages. Yeah, that's it, but... Telling you, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's so common nowadays for, for the younger lads to sort of... Yeah! All their mates yeah. have the gills. You better have a gills, Jack. Yeah. As, I, as I do say to me, partner's young flat, and he's a great kid, right? And he hangs around with a lot of blokes, right? And I say, yeah, right, all right, they're into bleeding. 
Gucci and they're into this and they're into that. Like, teenagers and yonkers like that, they run with the pack. And yeah. what I was trying to say to him was, listen, it's all right to run on the outside of the pack. He says, because more times than that, you'll get noticed when you're on the outside yeah. than you are when you're with the pack itself. Like, yeah. you know, it's like that fella that come home uh, where he had a tattoo of bleeding individual on his forehead. Did you ever hear of that one? No, no. Comes home to his gaff and he's tattooed and he's out there sitting there eating his dinner and he goes, what's the blade story with that? He goes, oh yeah, tattoo, he says, of in the individual on me for it. Yeah, but he says, where the fuck did you get that? He says, because all oh, my mates have it, he says. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's nothing, that none of them are in the, they're all following the same thing, doing the same thing. Come here, do you want to wear a Canada Goose jacket? Fucking wear it. Shall be, yeah, walk away. It's, it's, Nice jackets, but they're not my thing. They're bleeding. They're tend to a penny. Well, if you're an intimate, don't wear it because the boys have it. No. Yes. Like, listen, we, like, I'm not saying, like, if you can afford us, go ahead and do it, yeah? But, like, there's people, like, doing anything they can to get the money just to spend it all on that, whether it be selling drugs or getting money off the fucking helmets. Yeah. And spending the very last penny just to get one jacket mm. just to fit in with the boys. Like, just, and you know they like your little night tracks. Just wear, wear your night yeah, tracks. Yeah. You don't have to wear the gills. It's not, it's not going to fix you. It's a no. short-term solution to a long-term problem. That's yeah, it. That's what I'm saying. And it's, it's, like, the man, it's like what we talked about, the runners on the way in. I love runners. Yeah. I went down last week and I bought two pairs, right? Yeah. And they don't fix you. You put them on and you go, oh, yeah, they're grand. And then you see another pair and you're running with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it, you not, like, think... not material is ever going to fix you. The only thing that's going to fix you is you. Wait, runners, yeah. though, well, I think runners is, does, <laughs> that's a new level of addiction. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. no. Yeah, People who say it to me, like, you're addicted to runners. And I'd be like, I don't collect runners. Like, I get runners, I wear them. If, like, I think they, they ran their course, I give them away then, you no, know, that, I and I move on. I don't hold on to them. them but I've g- I gave a few pairs away there a while ago but it killed me but I've got stuff that I know is worth money would you not think that's different because would you have that same attitude with t-shirts I don't no and not, not so much with t-shirts I'd spend 300 euro on a pair of runners and I wouldn't think twice about it but if I seen a t-shirt and it's 70 quid I'd be like oh, I don't know I wouldn't I'm a sucker for a bargain with a pair of runners like I've got runners the bargain of the bleeding century for me this year was I bought a pair of runners of a fella out in Lucan, right? A pair of white trees, right? I'd never seen them before. I'm out of the receipt with them and all. He just put them up on adverts, brand new for 70 quid. I says, this fella isn't even getting a haggle. So I hit the bleeding boy button. I says, yeah, I'll give you 70 quid for him. Met him, he goes, oh, my missus got me, no, I just don't like them, blah, blah, blah. I stand there going, I did snow it the whole lot. They weren't, right? I was in London a month later down in Brick Lane and Petticoat Lane, me and my missus, and I had the runners on to me. And I walked into the Adidas shop and they were on the shelf for 2 dollars Lovely. And I was like, oh, booyah, yeah, yeah, I, st- I still have them. Like, down in Shoreditch? Yeah, just that. I, yeah. I used to live down that yeah. way. Yeah, Shoreditch. It's the only part of London yeah. I know. Anytime yeah. someone talks about London, I mention it. Because I live in Shoreditch. I used to live and... Hackney's not too far from there, am I right? Yeah, Hackney's only up the road, yeah. So you've got... It's the only You've got Dalston, you've got Stoke Newington, you've got Shoreditch, you've got Hoxton... Then you go down into Liverpool Street, yeah. Rick Lane, Petticoat yeah. Lane, Liverpool, Liverpool Street, the yeah, Lane, yeah. what But come here, uh, now because I, I walk over, well I was walking over there until uh, the start of 2020, I'd be over and back and forth every now and again and the office is in there. Uh, great city. Yeah, that, now come here, that's a city. It's a dangerous city, do you but, know what? But, but that's what a city, city is though. When people say Dublin's a, a city, this, this is, is a big town. town. Yeah. yeah, glorified town. Is I'm what telling you, like London is just so, so vast. It's, it's nuts. huge, like it, I mean, the south, nuts. the south of London, the east of London, yeah. is like it's like it, 
like the East End of London would be just the size of Dublin like yeah. do, do you know yeah. what I'm saying like it's that no, big yeah, that's honestly I can't describe to people like do you know when people in Ireland say like oh yeah Dublin this and that and I'm like Dublin's not even a city like cultures run amok at me like you're small minded mentality calling those cultures because you live in Dublin Dublin to me right and now I'm going to get a load of sick over this but Dublin to me is the only city in Ireland like you look at Cork Cork is a fraction of the size of yeah, Dublin yeah. infrastructure wise as well nowhere compares to it same with Galway Belfast has an yeah. argument right but then I say we're a city because we barely qualify yeah we're a glorified town Look at London. London is a fucking city. Like the chances we have a lot here. here. What the fuck? Chances are you know someone from Cork Street, right? Yeah. Or up at the Kiln. Yeah. You'd also know Bladen and or Tomo from Pierce Street. Yeah. Right. And you'd know Bladen Christie from Fingless. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Like like if you (laughs) says to a fella in 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 London. Do you know such and such from, you know, the elephant in Castle if you don't know? I oh, don't. Yeah. Look, the chances of him knowing someone that was from nice ever his borough really yeah, the... is, is, that, is that they really don't. It's that, yeah. it's that big, like, the city is You could huge. nearly walk around Dublin, though. Like, if you had a push yeah. bike, you're, you're anywhere in Dublin. A push bike, you're anywhere in Dublin. You wouldn't cycle around London. You couldn't no. cycle around one end of London, did you not? Like, that, no. What's, be what, a, what's a your population in London? 20-something million odds. Yeah. What million? 20 oh, million? Put it here. Yeah. The, width, the, width, the width of the Thames is nearly the fucking length of the Liffey. <laughs> no, it, do you know what I'm saying? Like when you yeah. look at the width of the Liffey compared to the width of the Thames in London, yeah, it's yeah. fucking... Population in London now, sorry, it, say, it says as of 2019, it was 9 million. Not as much. Nah, surely there's more than 9 million. How many? Oh, oh no, yeah, what be, yeah. And then what it says mean? 2020, it was 9.4. So, but, uh, uh, but how many is in Ireland altogether? On the whole island, with Northern Ireland, there's something like six. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that explains it in itself, you know. But, but that's, you know what, so yeah, fucking all joking aside, we live in the best city in the world. No two ways about it. Like, and Dorothy I hate fucking, all this Dorothy bollocks. can't be wrong, like, there's no place like home. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean by that way. Now, I thought you were going to compare the devil and I see you. No, there is lovely places in the world, like, but I mean, there's no... Like, and I'm not even going to bring the weather into play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because people go, oh, it's lovely out there and it's sunny. It's not like... It's, it, the, you find the beauty in the rain as yeah. much as you're willing to sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Dublin. Me? I don't even... I said, if I never went on another holiday for the rest of my life, I'd be happy. I am so fucking happy in Dublin, boys. We're like, we're a stone throw from the coast all the time. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. With the Phoenix Park, we've... You've, like, there's just so much to do. Like, yeah. Once you've got good people in your life and you've got surroundings like that, life is about just having good friends Having a bit of crack, having a bit of fucking laugh, yeah. and going out and you know, being of no harm to anyone, and exactly. just getting on with it. There's, there's too mean? many youngless that are doing damage exactly. to other youngless, and exactly. you're kind of going for what, lads? Yes, there's no need. Just cop on, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's life yes. is hard enough as there is. You don't need to make it harder for someone and else. And then you don't know where other cunts are going. So you see little blade youngless getting the hidings and all. You look, like, you don't know if that youngless has going on at home. You know what I mean? But it's the youngless giving him the hiding. He's a lot of issues. Yeah, do you know what? But a lot of, again, we touched on it before. A lot of it is down to the hard man at the front of the boys. Look, look at this. Yeah, like, but what you, like a but hook, they're compensating know? for something though. Yeah, well. definitely. They're acting definitely. a hard man because at home, well, they're yeah. probably bleeding. Yeah. They're probably the fucking. The last row of the ladder, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like that saying, isn't it? Hold people, hold people. Yeah, yeah. If you're being hold at home and someone is holding you, you want to hold someone else. Yeah, it, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's, it's that cycle of leading the hold yeah. that, that's going around. Like, so it's like that It's like that thing, your man in Liverpool, you know, bleeding lives, not knives and all that type of stuff. It's, it's look, we, we're, not, we're, not, we're only here for a short while. Like, 
Do you know what I mean? We're all only try- passing through. Like it's, it's that's the bleeding thing about yeah, it, isn't it? Exactly. You know, it's just be bleeding noise to exactly. three people noise. Right. Well, I probably have one last question before we wrap it up. Right? Not, I, I have one as well, and I hope yours isn't the same. Now. <laughs> well, well, come here. So, what would you say you're at by profession? You say you're in construction. You wouldn't call yourself a comedian. Um, no, I wouldn't. After I, this, I, you'd be no, 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 do you know what, like I that. wouldn't, that, me, me, me main bread and butter is, is, is construction. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I stopped for about nine or ten months and I done it, but I didn't like travelling to London and travelling out of the country for work and stuff like that. For a guy, uh, being a stand-up comedian in this country at the level I'm at, so I'd be kind of... I'd be kind of under the level of, of, of the likes of, you know, like PJ Gallagher. You'd open Delaware. for them. Yeah, so mean. I'd be I'd be support act yeah. for them, basically. Without 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 bleeding blown smoke up my own anus, like that's yeah. that's it, like. So you need if you're not on telly or someone doesn't know you from being on telly, they, they don't know you. Do, 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 do you understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. no one goes to see someone and goes, but when you go, oh, it's your man off the thing on the thing. Yeah, yeah, And you yeah. go, oh, yeah, we'll buy a ticket for him. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've seen support acts, and I'm not joking, that are better than and the headline act, act yeah. when I went to see gigs. Yeah. I'd, I'd go, I'd go to see him. Do you know what I mean? But um, unless you're on telly, or unless you get a break somewhere, or unless something happens, yeah, it's it's Well, hopefully, it's look, a yeah, listen, break. Hey, yeah. It's construction for me all day long. Yeah. It, it genuinely is. I've been doing it. I've been doing it for years, and, and, and it's where the bread and butter comes mm. in. Come here, I'd love to not do what I'd love. And we're an acting agency at the moment, like uh, Susanna Norris Agency, and, and I get bits of work out of that. I actually got a uh, an audition for Brassic on channel on um, Sky One. Did you ever see that, Brassic? No. no? Um, really, really good uh, series. Didn't get it. Well, you need to be good at rejection if you're doing it with a Exactly, yeah, yeah. Look, it's, There's it's, only it's, so it's, many yeah. jobs. Well, listen, come here. It's... it's, it's What's meant to be for you is not going to pass your boy. Oh, you could have the acting experience, but you couldn't have the face, or you could have the face and not have the acting yeah. experience. Was it Liam Cunningham who said to us, it's 90% unemployment rate for an actor or something he like said, that? He yeah, said, I listened to his, his he was a great he said, oh, never a go, he said, never, ever, ever tell your kids, never aspire to be an actor. He said, he said, he said it's so hard. Yeah. You have to know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Do, to a have a half luck. a chance. There's a lot yeah. of luck. Do you know what but I mean? But that kind of leads it on to this question because like, if you introduce yourself to someone as a comedian like people's forcing them is to say tell us a joke and yeah, that to me that, would be like mate time. give us a fucking well do you know break. what I just say to people when they say that to me and, they, and I say to them what do you do and they say I'm a bricklayer yeah, well, build, build a wall, wall. Yeah. do you know what I mean they kind of look at you like that and I, I do go what do you want me to do yeah exactly yeah. like what well, look I'm a fucking I'm a fucking perform a movie funny how funny how no but I, yeah. people, people ask me what I do for a living I tell them I, I work in construction but I also do a bit of acting and I do a bit of stand up comedy yeah I never say I never say you know I'm an actor and I'm a comedian and I also do a bit of construction yeah and I build a few walls <laughs> yeah, as well yeah. do you know what I mean so that's that's, that's really it come here if it changes it changes yeah. if I'm in the right place at the right time or I'm fucking you know I'm probably like a shit snooker player at the minute I'm just not getting the break like, do you know what yeah. I mean yeah. It, it's yeah. Been, if I'm in the right place at the right time maybe I'll just get a, hopefully get a role somewhere where and I don't like being typecast as this you know drug addict or anything like that yeah I'd love to do Shakespearean fucking something like that, you know, like uh, Hamlet. Something, yeah, something completely left field that people look at me and go, "How the fuck did you get in there?" Hell, man, yeah. that's bleeding Willa. Yeah, <laughs> what's he yeah. doing in that drama on the telly? That's bleeding, you know, something like uh, what's that thing that's on the posh joke on Netflix? Um, your missus is watching it. They're all dressed in Connor. 
The um Bet Bennington or something. What's yeah, it? that's the one, yeah. What's it called, Connor? Bennington or Bonnington or something like Sutton-ton. that. Bridgerton, yeah, I'd love a part in something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, yeah. I was thinking about becoming a comedian, but my man said everyone will laugh at me. Hey, <laughs> right, no matter <laughs> the oppression there, Terence. Um, right, so <laughs> this viral wedding video. Yeah, we'll ask. Oh. Where did you go? We can't find it anywhere. Lads, it's gone. I'm not gonna tell you the story about that video, right? This is mad, right? That was a mate I know. Who, Can we just who, give a bit of background? Sorry. There was a video about two or three years ago. Longer, longer. I guess. No, 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 you should know the wedding. Yeah, it's about, no, it's Thomas, a uh, Tom, mate of mine called Thomas Doig. It was his wedding and it was out in um, the place where the Irish team, the Carlton House, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was out there. So I got asked to do the wedding. What year was that? It was... So it, do you know, do you remember what I was telling you about going into the Adidas shop with the Adidas yeah. on? I was in London at the time. It was, uh, it was, it was five years ago. Yeah. And the video of Will Ad, the owners be at the wedding reception many people's at the wedding 80 or something so, yeah there's probably about 80 to 100 people are a big function you know an Irish wedding and Willa has everybody in the palm of his hand absolutely it's ball one and of the crying. funniest videos I've ever seen yeah. and I haven't filmed it yeah so me and Terence went looking for it because we knew we were going to be on and we couldn't find it anywhere but go on give us the background of the video I went and done the I went and done the gig for this fella <clears> and um, I've always been kind of very lucky that any weddings that I do and I always tell people when I'm doing weddings as well Look, it can go one way, it can go the other way. That's the way it is. But luckily enough, touch wood, I've never died at a wedding. I've always been all right. And I'm not picky about weddings. The price goes up with the way that they sound on the phone and I'm not being smart. If I know that they have dollar, I'll charge them a bit extra. Don't no, not no, the no, hustle. No, no, exactly. Yeah, if they're me yelling, they get looked after. Yeah. You get it cheaper than what bleeding uh, Christoph from bleeding or Fuinho from Colony will get it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's just the way it is, Luke. Do you know what I mean? Fuinho. Don't hate <laughs> Don't hate the Don't hate <laughs> Don't hate the fucking player, Luke. Do you know what I mean? Don't knock the Nipsey hustle. Yeah, so <laughs> Where's that, the video gone? But this is what I'm telling you, right? So I went up, I done that gig. Um, a few weeks later, I'm in London. My daughter rings me up. She goes, Dad, do you see what's going on? I went, no, you have a video, she says, at a wedding. There's 25,000 views on it. I says, what? She goes, 25,000 views, I'm going to send it to you. I don't even remember the video being recorded, right? Someone obviously stood there, yeah, sat talking. down with the phone, which is grand, go ahead, do you know what I mean? And, and recorded it. But the last I heard was months ago, there was over a million Easily had seen it right. Was was going up. Imagine I got fifty cents for each. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on that. Yeah. I don't know where it is. I was talking with a couple of weeks ago. He said he's seen it again. He says your video come up my timeline or something like that on Facebook. He says and it was up. Yeah, so right. I don't know. Oh, I don't know where it is. Surely someone listening to this it. has seen it and knows the video we're talking about and is able to pull it out. Can you get it on those players? Because this it needs to be shared. Oh, it's but, hilarious. Uh, I, mean, I don't want to say. I don't want to be spoiling that. Was that your set that you do? Uh, that, that is some of the set that yeah, we do yeah. because it's only about 10 minutes of it yeah. 10 minutes of it yeah but yeah it is but if, if, uh, I suppose you know people say through the lockdown you know you'll get creative and all that I haven't really like yeah. I'm not really a writer I'm more of an idea person like if I hear someone saying something or whatever I'd kind of put the idea in my head and I'd probably just write it down, but I wouldn't write a whole piece on it. Yeah. And I just got on stage with an idea, like, yeah. do you know what yeah, I mean? I get you, yeah. uh, it's like my missus was talking about my ma there a few weeks ago. My ma's suffering with her eyes at the moment. Her sight is really, really bad. And there's a possibility that she could go blind if she doesn't get the treatment that she's getting. But for a while, she was suffering. She, she kept kind of bleeding, losing her sight and all that. 
So my partner was bringing her back from the hospital there a few weeks ago. She was at the being up in the matter in the, uh, the the place where they look after your eyes. I can't think of the name of what them people are. But. So she got outside the flats in Killarney Court slash Joseph's Mansions, right? And my missus is getting a few bits out of the bill for her to get her, you know, to give her, you know, or shopping or whatever to bring up her. And she goes to me, missus, she goes, ah, there we go again. There we go, me bleeding sight's gone. It's gone again. <laughs> so when my missus got up and looked out of the bill, wasn't a seagull at the shite and right across her glasses, right, right <laughs> down her face, right? And my missus said she dropped the bleeding shop and here she was, I told you, and there was about two pounds of shite gone right across the glasses on her, and on her jacket and it was just sort of bleeding free. So I'd hear something like that or whatever and I'd just kind of add my own twist to what I do something and do yeah. it in a way. Yeah. You know, you're trying to tell the story. Exactly, yeah, as it is. Like, but I mean, stuff like that, real stuff is just, it's yeah. fucking funny, like, you know? Because I actually, well, the first time I met you, it must have been a Friday night because my dad had gone to see you in the last alone and he brought you back to the gaff that's right yeah and we were sitting at the kitchen table talking I remember this because I went to America then a few days after and then that must have been a Friday because the next night I went to see it right so you must have done a Friday Saturday do Thursday Friday and Saturday yeah yeah in the laughter lounge because yeah. I remember going to see it then going out after it right so uh, and then I remember saying it was a great bit you did and then watching the video some of it was clicking with me, so right, obviously it was right. something that's why I said that. Yeah, video, yeah. Wasn't but set pieces for wedding to be kind of different. You kind of you kind of do stuff that you know is going to work. You play to the crowd, kind yeah, of. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Like, I always get in touch with the best man, and I find out a bit about the groom, and I find uh, yeah, out a little bit about stick. the family and what they yeah, do, and see yeah. if they have a funny story, and just kind of subtly take the piss. And usually, if the groom is if the best man, is giving me all the beef. I'd usually find something about the best man and, and him. turn it on him. Yeah, he's yeah, thinking yeah. every sitting there going, what, she's going to lash him over and lash yeah. him. Now, I wouldn't lash people over. What yeah. I do is very, very subtle. You'd be getting more more tiddled than you would be shagged. Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It wouldn't be, it'd be nothing personal or slaughtering yeah, yeah. anyone. You'd be doing it in a way that they can have a laugh at it yeah. and other people can have a laugh at it because... You know, there's nothing in there's nothing in there's no malice. Yeah, no, no malice. There's yeah. no it's it's not funny. When you're when you're getting nasty with somebody, people see the nastiness in it, like, yeah. you know. And you want to get another bit of work. So I mean someone in that crowd will probably be getting married again or whatever and bleed and ask you to do something for themselves. So, Definitely. Yeah, you just gotta be very careful what you're doing, like, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well yeah. <laughs> Ah, parents are always swollen now. Story <laughs> from laughing to crying to everything. I don't know what to say. What a man! Thanks so much for coming. Well, uh, unbelievable. Sorry, but I don't want to let you go. You have to sing us a song. The sing us a song, lads. Come on, sing Every us a song. Every single person I've met and I've told them that you're coming on. I swear, now don't take this the wrong way. Not one single person that says, "Oh, he's gas." Every single person, the first thing they say about it is, he's a great singer. Oh, God. Go Jesus, I put me under the bleeding Pull spot. Me out the way way way. Now, you said you're recording. I'm going to sing a song that he's never heard before, right? And it's a song, uh, it's a bit of a sad song, and it's a song by a woman called Juliet Turner. Did you ever hear of Juliet Turner? I don't think so. The first time I ever heard her, um, it kind of resonated with me because it was the Alma bombing. Do you remember the bombing yeah. in Alma? yeah. And I remember being over in London and I was in a bad kind of place in my life and she sung this song um, at the, it was like a memorial thing that they had on. I don't know whether it was a few weeks after. And uh, the song is called Broken Things. That's what it's called. Right. So I'm going to sing this song to take us out. Yeah. So here we go. <clears throat> it's obviously going to be a cappella because I don't play yeah. the guitar. Let's go. I don't Let's... do anything like that. Right? Yeah, that's right. So here we go. 
You can have my heart, but it isn't new. It's been used and broken and only comes in blue. Been down a long road and it got dirty on the way. If I give it to you, will you make it clean and watch the pain away? Well, you can have my heart If you don't mind broken things And you can have my heart If you don't mind these tears Cause they say that you make old things new That's why I give these pieces all to you if you want it, you can have my heart. So beyond repair, nothing I could do. I tried to fix it myself, but it only got worse when I got through. And then you come down into my darkness And you whisper words so sweet You hold me like a child Till my frozen tears fall at your feet And you can have my heart If you don't mind broken things and you can have my heart If you don't mind these tears Cause they say that you make old things new That's why I give these pieces all to you If you want it You can have my heart Oh, we'll have goosebumps there, mate. I'm only dreading that we didn't have Connor to play bass for you to sing that song. Really? <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much for coming on, we'll have. We'll wrap it up. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see yeah. you next week. <laughs> the Hip Knocker.